Blog Talk Radio. My minions, it is here. It is finally here. My name's Tom Marquez El Presidente. We're about to kick things off with our annual Super Bowl Sunday special. We do this every year, and this is the best place to start out your Super Bowl. Joining us also, uh, the artist formerly known as the executive producer of The Balance, Rick Riggin. How are you, sir? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you? <laughs> you like what I did there? Uh, sure. Uh, sure. So, Rick, here we are. Super Bowl Sunday. Kicked off. Super Bowl Sunday. It's the Patriots. It's the Rams. Those that hate the Patriots are going to continue to hate the Patriots. Guilty as charged. Although we we can say that Tom Brady, if he wins today, is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not one of the greatest champions of all time. Uh, we'll certainly get into to that. Also joining us now is Mo. The BS Sports Show. Mo, how are you, sir? Good morning. Are you ready? Are you ready to rock and roll, man? You guys sound like you got to get some more coffee in you. Here, I've been drinking coffee and Dr Pepper for two hours. Let's roll. <laughs> right. But uh, right so, so, so we're gonna. Uh, I was just talking to uh, Rick here real quickly about the, the the Patriots and how how big of a dynasty they are. And then really we're kind of on the verge, if you will, of Tom Brady probably being one of the greatest champions of all time. Of course, we've got the L.A. Rams. A lot of people say the Rams should not be there uh, because of that pass interference call, unfortunately, the way the rules are set now. So we're going to get into all of those conversations. But we'll start with you, Rick. Super Bowl Sunday, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I would just go back to that pass interference call that wasn't called. I mean, you don't really know what would happen, even if they would have called that pass interference. It's no guarantees the uh, the Saints were going to score points anyway. So, yeah, it was a blown call, but there's nothing you can really do about it. So, And there's no guarantees that the Saints would have scored points anyway. So, here we are. Well, you know, and that's a valid point. A lot of people like to say, well, had that pass interference call would have been called, they would have, they would have taken a knee. A lot of things could have happened. But we could always say we what what could have happened after after the fact. Uh, I think more than anything, one of the most surprising things, and we'll get your thoughts, Mo, on this too, is the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the Patriots. Uh, D. Ford, all he had to do was not line up offsides and get the ball back to Tom Brady. And it, it, and it would have been over, and the Chiefs would have been in the, in the Super Bowl. So we're going to look at two storylines of how both teams got to the Super Bowl, basically on, on luck, if you will. Uh, no pun intended. Go ahead, Mo. Well, I, I don't uh, – I'm one of those that doesn't care too much about the uh, not non-call because had they called the face mask on Jared Goff earlier in the uh, quarter, then, you know, that would have made the, uh, the Rams first and goal from the three. So – 
that one's not a big deal to me. Uh, as far as the uh, Chiefs go, that's one thing the Rams got to uh, try to avoid today is, uh, you know, Andy Reid and his adjustments were made too late to be able to catch the Patriots. So that's one thing the Rams have to do today is not wait so long to make the adjustments, uh, you know, to the second half and be able to keep it close early. If you want to jump in and talk uh, Super Bowl with us today, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll get back, and we'll get things teed off. Super Bowl Sunday right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about it. 
right, welcome back to the Balance Super Bowl special, Super Bowl Sunday, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Uh, Ed Kratz, our official beat writer, uh, official contributor to the Balance beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to be joining us. He's just running a little bit behind today, so never fear, we will have the great Ed Kratz on. Guys, let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl Sunday as it is, uh, as I think it should be a national holiday. I think everybody should have the day off tomorrow because there's going to be a lot of people with that Super Bowl flu. But, you know, every year we all kind of do our own things. Maybe we go to a party. Maybe we uh, we have a big drink fest. Maybe we have a food fest. Maybe we do all the above. It's really more about a, a, a time to, to have a good time and, you know, unwind. And then, you know, certainly there is the game. But there's a lot of aspects about the Super Bowl but don't really pertain directly to the game. And one of those, my favorite, is the Puppy Bowl, which I'll watch a little bit later on as well. So, Rick, we'll start with you. Any traditions, any Super Bowl traditions that you have, superstitions, any, anything that you guys do every year? Nope, just drink beer. That's uh, about the only tradition <laughs> yep. or the tradition, tradition I get. Yep. I, I, I think Super Bowl Sunday, race day, and New Year's Eve – are the three days you can start drinking relatively early. Uh, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Mo, what are your normal traditions on Super Bowl Sunday? Do you guys have any superstitions, anything that you guys go through? Uh, yeah, I usually give myself some one-man hand love. And then, uh, no, um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, not really, not really. Uh, it, it just varies with my job. It's different. It seems to be different every year. So uh, it just, it just varies. Uh, luckily, though, covering the uh, covering the Browns, I haven't had to do anything, uh, you know, for that yet. Uh, but uh, uh, no, you know, it, it definitely. Uh, usually, it winds up that I'm the last one in the house awake for the end of the Super Bowl. So I mean, that's really the only tradition. Is I'm the last one that sees the end of the games. Well, all I can ask of you, and I, I don't want this visual, but when you're doing that one man love, don't do it to Tom Brady, okay? <laughs> don't do it to Tom no, Brady. Guys, let's kind of go around some of these storylines here. You know, certainly one of the, the, the things that we look at, really, Bill, Bill Belichick and Sean McVay, probably, two one of the greatest uh, coaching minds of NFL history, if you will. Obviously, Bill Belichick has led the, the Patriots to many Super Bowls and to a win. A lot of people think that maybe a, a, the quarterback's more important than the coach. But I think in this case, you've got to look at two very bright brains. And if you think for one moment, but the other one's going to be able to outsmart the other one. You're wrong. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on this battle between Sean McVay and Bill Belichick? Uh, I, I wouldn't put Sean McVay in that category, not even kind of yet, because uh, he's done nothing. He hasn't been in the league long enough to do anything, and he's literally done nothing. Yeah, uh, they put the, they bought a, a team in L.A. to get to this point, but now he's going against Bill Belichick, who knows how to game plan around everything. He probably has five game plans for this game. So we're going to see, even if Sean McVay does happen to pull off the win today, uh, I still will not put Sean McVay as one of the greatest co- uh, coaching minds of all time. Uh, I, I know he's the hot new thing right now, and all the other teams are looking for head coaches or trying to find the next Sean McVay, but I just would not put him in that category yet. That's a valid point. You know, you're right. It's the new hot new uh, thing to, to talk about, and all the teams are looking at Sean McVay. But you, even though he's only 33 years old, he does got a pretty good resume. And you know, remember when Bill Belichick was just a young Bill Belichick, uh, and uh, where he came from, uh, I think a lot of times 
you see greatness at the beginning. And I think a lot of people saw Tom Brady greatness at the beginning. I think a lot of people saw Peyton Manning greatness at the beginning. Maybe what we're seeing here, and I'm not, I'm not swinging on, on the, the sack of Sean McVay, but I am saying that Sean McVay has proven that he is a very uh, uh, worthy coach and as, as certainly he's at the Super Bowl, so he's doing something right. Mo, what are your thoughts between the, these two coaches? Well, you know, what's, what's weird about it is that if the Patriots win, we'll be talking about Tom Brady and his star and stat will continue to rise. But to me, if the Rams win, Sean McVay is going to wind up being the star we talk about. I think we talk about him. We'll talk about him more than we will Jared Goff or Todd Gurley or Aaron Donald. It just seems like Sean McVay has become the star of that team. It's very college football-esque to where we talk about the coaches, it seems, a lot more than we do the uh, players. And that's just the way it feels with the Rams because there has been – like Rick said, so much hoopla built around Sean McVay and him being the next big thing that it feels like if the Rams win, he'll be the star that we talk about. It won't be one of the players. It'll be, it'll be Sean McVay. So uh, I, the thing I like about the matchup is obviously Belichick's thing is always to try to take away your number one thing, uh, and Belichick is good at uh, adjusting on the fly. But Sean McVay's a gambler. So uh, the, the, that matchup to me will be a very fun matchup to watch. Again, I think the key for for the Rams and for Sean McVay is how quickly can he adapt to what Bill Belichick is doing and, and will it not be, you know, as late as it was for the Kansas City Chiefs to where they, they couldn't pull out the victory. So uh, I think you're right in the aspect of uh, that Sean McVay, he is the star of this team. Well, and I think he's a future star of the NFL. And I could, we could be wrong, as you, as you made a valid point. If the, if the Patriots win, we're going to still be talking about uh, uh, Tom Brady and uh, Bill Belichick. But if the Rams uh, pull out a, a win, I mean, we're, we're certainly going to be talking a long time about Sean McVay. Let's talk about the two quarterbacks. We'll start with you, Rick. Jared Goff uh, versus uh, Jared Goff. Again, uh, not as proven and seasoned in the playoffs and in, in the Super Bowl, certainly not in the Super Bowl that Tom Brady is. You look at two different types of quarterbacks that yet very similar in a lot of ways. They've been able to take their teams from hard times in the situation this year and get them to the Super Bowl. And here it is again, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if Tom Brady pulls off a win today, tonight, he will be probably the greatest champion. You might want to say of all sports. I mean, it's, it, what, what is left for him to prove? It's kind of like kid and you're, and you're picking on your little brother or cousin and you're putting your arm behind their back and you're making them cry uncle. This is, this is the cry uncle moment for uh, Tom Brady. There is nothing else for him to prove after this, so why not retire while you're on top? What are your thoughts, Jared Goff and Tom Brady, Rick? Uh, my thoughts are between Jared Goff and Tom Brady are, I, I, I don't know if Moles, uh, knows the spread or what. Well, no, I'm going to set it at two and a half. Uh, that they mentioned the age gap between Brady and Goff in this game at, at two and a half. That's, that's going to be my spread on that. And I honestly don't know the spread, Mo. We're going to rely on you on that. And, and first of all, a lot of people like to bet on the Super Bowl. A lot of people like to see what the, what the, the pros are betting on, and, and they kind of go with that. This might be one of the, the few times of the year that they actually bet. So uh, that's a good transition point there, Rick. Thanks. Uh, Mo, uh, what, what is the spread, and what do we look at uh, in, when betting on the Super Bowl? Well, at this point, uh, if you're looking to make money and make money fast and quick and then makes the rest of it not easier, the, the biggest one that we've won money on in the past is picking the first person to score. And, uh, you know, even 
even though I'm a Colts fan, I won a few years back with uh, picking Devin Hester to score first for the Bears. Uh, we did a couple years ago uh, with um, uh, James White. I, I think this year uh, C.J. Anderson is probably going to be my pick today to score first uh, for the uh, for the Rams. Uh, so that's a good way to get started off. Uh, the Rams are getting – they were getting three and a half, I think, as of yesterday. It's probably going to drop to three or two and a half by today. Uh, Rams being an underdog is a pick that a lot of people put money on. And a lot of it – sometimes here's what you get with the Super Bowl. It's a lot like St. Patrick's Day when you, go out, you get a lot of the, uh, of the rookie drinkers. They don't know how to do it. Uh, you get a lot of betters today who really don't know what they're doing. So when they're, when they're playing their heart because they hate the Patriots so much and betting on the Rams – that adjusts the lines for the people who are the pro better. So you'll see a lot of guys who uh, will wait till today and let that point spread lower and then put their money uh, on the Patriots. So uh, that's how Vegas adjusts it. When a lot of money's coming in on one, the, it, uh, it tends to uh, lower the point spread and move the line some for the guys. So a lot of pro betters will wait and see what everybody else, all the rookie betters are doing today. One of the things that we're going to see happening real, really uh, prevalent in 2019 is, is uh, you know, betting has become legal. We'll look at New York. Uh, uh, the state of New York has said it wants to have full-fledged uh, open betting, if you will, by the end of 2019. We see networks like the Action Network that say they want to be the ESPN of betting, and they're being very, very successful. So I think what we're seeing here is the very beginning of a brand-new trend. You know, when we saw the beginning of fantasy football, we saw the beginning people like to be experts. People like to make money what do you see happening in the betting arena with with networks and companies like the action network uh with other betting uh people's apps and so forth i mean where can you direct people what now that that the supreme court says hey oh yeah by the way it is legal to bet uh you guys have been doing it all along so here go ahead go ahead and do it anyway what were your thoughts 2019 as we look forward into the way betting is going to change our our games and the way things are played uh, it's going to be it's going to be changed by you're going to be able to do everything from your phone. Uh, you know, we were able to bet on some horse races yesterday from uh, from the phone. So I think that's where it's going to change. I think before long, uh, once it becomes a a nationwide thing, you're going to see betting rooms at NFL stadiums and at basketball arenas, uh, which will be really cool because they have that uh, now. You know, over in the UK when they do it with soccer, they have specific betting rooms for you to go in and bet on the game. Uh, so I think as the uh, as the uh, uh, things change and it gets uh, later on into this year and the next year, you know, doing it from your phone or being able to go to the actual stadium and that will be where it changes the biggest. Rick, I know you, uh, we, we rely on you a lot during college football and, and I know that you spend a lot of time with us in college football. So let's kind of merge over, talk a little bit about uh, the 2019 draft that's coming up. What do you see as the hot prospects? Who you think is going to be number one overall? Uh, do we think it's going to be Josh Allen? What are your thoughts on who's going to go n- number one overall? And what is your uh, 2019 draft outlook? Yeah, well, if uh, I think the Cardinals have the number one pick, but they're not going to go quarterback. So I'm not sure what direction they're probably going to go. But I think the Giants have the number two pick. If they do not draft Dwayne Haskins, uh, that is the dumbest move in NFL history. Uh, so they need to be taking Dwayne. Dwayne Haskins is probably, in my eyes anyway, uh, the best quarterback. Uh, he, he's like a Baker Mayfield, but he's like a 6'4", 6'5", version of Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Giants need to be thinking Dwayne Haskins and just moving on from Eli. 
Mo, what are your thoughts? 2019 draft. That's a valid point. Dwayne Haskins is a very good uh, uh, pick. Uh, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals are going to have a number one overall pick. Uh, do they need a quarterback? Uh, what's, where do you think uh, is the best fit for the Cardinals, and, and who do you think falls in like the first top five, if you will, in the, in the 2019 draft? Well, you know, it's funny. Earlier in the year, before Cliff Kingsbury was the Arizona Cardinals head coach, he said he would do everything in his power if he was an NFL coach to draft Kyler Murray. I think what's going to happen is it's going to come down to when uh, when the scouts talk to Kyler Murray, what his decision is going to be. Is he going to play football or is he going to play baseball? Uh, so I could see, and, and Adam Schefter a couple of weeks ago reported a scenario to where you know the Arizona Cardinals have talked about drafting Kyler Murray number one and trading Josh Rosen. Uh, you know, and, and how the dominoes fall from there would be interesting. It's going to be interesting, though, to see it, it, free agency, I think, is going to play a big part this year uh, in the NFL draft beforehand because, you know, the, the Eagles picked up Nick Foles' option mm-hmm. yesterday, but did they pick it up to keep Nick Foles or did they pick it up to trade Nick Foles? So I think some of these teams who are looking for quarterbacks, uh, it's going to be if they find some in free agency, maybe there's not that uh, rush on quarterbacks at the top as there normally is. Uh, for the Giants, you know, you never know what they're going to do because Eli Manning was serviceable last year. Let's be honest. He had one of his better seasons completion percentage-wise. And if the Giants don't feel like they're ready to draft that successor yet and feel they're another piece or two away, we can see him not do it again. I mean, obviously they got it right with Saquon Barkley. He was the offensive rookie of the year last year, played uh, almost every single snap for them, and, uh, and, and is going to be a phenomenal NFL player. Uh, I don't know if the Giants feel like they feel that they need to draft somebody that high yet, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. The Jaguars, do they, do they try to trade for Nick Foles or, uh, or try to bring in a Derek Carr? Because there's John Gruden's another guy who loves Kyler Murray. And, uh, you know, if he could wind up playing for the Oakland Raiders and he's already drafted uh, by the Oakland A's, you know, that's a, a situation where we could see him play both sports. So I think there's a lot to free agency that's going to matter what happens in this NFL draft. You know what? When Ed gets on here, we'll certainly yeah, dive deeper into this. Uh, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. I think uh, uh, the the Eagles are definitely going to keep Carson Wentz. I, I, they can't keep both. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts here? Nick Foles, I, and I agree exactly with what Mo said. They're going to draft to replace Nick Foles. Nick Foles has earned a job in the in the NFL as a starting quarterback somewhere. Is it the Cardinals? Is it uh, is it Jacksonville? Where do you think Nick Foles logically ends up in next year? In uh, what uniform he'll be wearing? Uh, to me, it just feels like Jacksonville still is where he he ends up. They they desperately need to move on from Blake Bortles these past couple seasons. I know he was kind of efficient, you know. I, I guess it'd be two years ago now. I talk about this past season, but but really they just leaned on their defense, and Blake Bortles kind of hid behind that. Uh, didn't he wasn't too awful stat wise, I guess, but uh, they need to move on to him from him. He's clearly not the answer there. Uh, Nick Foles is a guy that that could uh, turn that franchise around. Maybe just the the, the way he picks up that uh, RPO, the run pass option offense, and if they can get something like that going down in Jacksonville, uh, they're going to be a, a, a pretty solid team in the FC South. So I still feel uh, I feel like for me anyway, it's Jacksonville. Well, and that's a, that's a valid point. I mean, I don't know that we want him here in the AFC South, uh, but no, I'm just kidding. I, I think Nick Foles is going to be a great quarterback wherever he goes, wherever he ends up. Mo, let's uh, go back over here and we'll start talking a little bit more about this officiating this call, this egregious call that was totally missed, uh, almost as if there was a, a blind eye turned. We saw a lot of 
I won't call them no good, nothing lawsuits, but they're not going anywhere. But they did draw a lot of attention uh, from Saints fans. Also, we saw some, some betting companies that actually refunded the money uh, to uh, bettors after that who betted on that game. And we're going to see at least them revisit the topic. I don't know that I was really that excited about Roger Cadell's uh, uh thoughts on the call and changing the call he had said that you know it's been the thoughts of of ownership and those in on the competition committee uh that they're not willing to change that that's what i got from his statement but i i think they're going to have to do something and moving forward talking about the betting and the way it's going to be legal you're going to find people doing lawsuits i mean i know that clay travis joked around about hey maybe i should sue the nfl uh for losing money on this game that's might be a joke now but that could very much become a reality so a couple things have to happen here one to protect the integrity of the game roger cadell and the and the competition committee has got to be able to review judgment calls that, that has to change we're to that point where it has to change and two Roger Goodell has to do that because there might could be some real serious lawsuits that are coming down in the future with blown calls like this. Mo? Well, when it comes to the betting part of it, uh, you'll see the signs posted in the books and sports books and, and online that uh, that you assume all risks for betting, uh, you know, that the casinos and stuff cannot be held liable, that there are human error and judgment calls. So those those lawsuits never happen unless you're able to prove you know, like the uh, they did a few years, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Tim Donaghy, the uh, rogue NBA official. That's the only chance you ever have of winning a lawsuit like that. And still, even at that point, uh, NBA uh, people who had sued the NBA, uh, who were betters, didn't win much, if anything. So it, that's a really hard lawsuit to win. First off, second off, I think where the big, I, I don't want to see it change to where everything's looked at. I mean, that just slows the game way down. I like the, the idea of human error, even if it goes against my team or my money. Uh, but uh, I think the one thing that I, I want to see changed is stop making these, these all-star refereeing crews. Keep the guys together who have worked together all year long. And I think that that's where, that's where the big problem came in. Eagles got in the way. Guys didn't want to overstep their bounds. And, uh, you know, normally I think if it was a regular crew, they would have huddled up and things would have been fixed. Obviously, there was three fouls on the play. But when you look at it in real speed, standing right there where he stood, yeah, there, there was a, a missed call, two missed calls, three missed calls. But, again, you, until you've been on the sidelines during an NFL game, you have no idea the speed at it, 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 which everything happens. So it, it's just I, I'm okay with the way things happened. Again, you, you got to factor – no one thinks they want to talk about the, the missed face mask call on Jared Goff earlier in that quarter, which could have changed everything as well. So – I'm okay with it. I don't want to see pass interferences uh, replayed. I don't want to see holding calls replayed. I just I, I like things the way they are. Let's, uh, um, Rick. Do you have any thoughts on on the judgment calls and and, and the competition committee and what they should what they should do or shouldn't do in the off season? Uh, I just say I, I totally 100% agree with Mo. I, I don't want to see anything change either. Yeah, it sucks that you miss a call like that. But you know what? I also don't feel bad for Saints fans because uh, it happened to my Lions in the playoffs three years ago against the Cowboys where the linebacker completely ran through Brandon Pettigrew while the pass was still in the air. And that, call, that didn't get called either. Now, it was nowhere near like you know the level of impact of game because it was just the first round you know, I think it's the wild card matchup, you know, the, you know, the first playoff game of the weekend or whatever. But you know, the same thing happened to the Lions, who never make the playoffs, and then 
that happens during the game, and it changes the course of the game in a way. But I, with that being said, uh, I agree with Mo 100%. I don't want to see anything change either. Yeah, it sucks. You know, they've already admitted the guilt because they find, uh, you know, I can't remember the player's name for the helmet-to-helmet hit, so they already admit the, the guilt that the call was missed. But there's nothing more that can be done about it. They're not going to fire anybody or replay the game or anything like that. Uh, maybe they look into replay, but I agree with Mo. Uh, they shouldn't change anything. And I, I think they should get to the point of making a decision. And later. I think we really do need to look at changing the ability to make a call. They couldn't make that call. I mean, I mean, making calls reviewable is, I guess, what I'm trying to say is they could have made a, a call and they reviewed it and then either kept it or not. Uh, but I, I think something's got to change just from the aspect. Let's just talk about the safety of it. I mean, you got a corner coming across field, uh, coast to coast, and nailing a wide receiver before he even has a ball. I mean, there, there's some safety issues there that we've got to look at as well. This is Super Bowl special, Super Bowl 53, Atlanta. Nobody thought Atlanta. Last time Super Bowl was in Atlanta, the power went out, all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, I hear Atlanta's probably not the best location uh, for a Super Bowl. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Atlanta, Georgia, tonight, the Super Bowl, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, Atlanta, Georgia's great. It was actually New Orleans when the power went out a couple years ago. Oh, was it? The okay, Niners I'm sorry. You're right. The My Ravens. fault. My fault. Uh, you know, Atlanta's a great town, though. It, it, the only problem with Atlanta is everything is so spread out. You know, that's one of the things that people still talk about to this day about the Indianapolis Super Bowl was how close everything was. And, uh, you know, at last, uh, when it's in Jacksonville, everything's so spread out. Atlanta's a great town. The one thing that bothers me the most about the Super Bowl, guys, and I, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, is the fact that there is a friggin' Chick-fil-A in the stadium, which doesn't open on Sundays. That's when they play the football games. That's what, that's what just drives me nuts about this whole situation, the fact that there's a Chick-fil-A in the damn stadium and it doesn't open when there's football. <laughs> you got to have Chick-fil-A. You got to have Chick-fil-A, oh. that's for sure. <laughs> Love Chick-fil-A. Well, we, we, lost, we lost Rick. Uh, hopefully we'll get him back on here in just a moment. What about the quarterbacks that were on the losing end? You got uh, – I guess one at the, is at the beginning of, the, of their career and one is at the end of their career, and that is uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City Chiefs, and you've got uh, Drew Brees with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, uh, we, we're, we're probably seeing an end of a career coming soon uh, to Drew Brees, if not this year, maybe next year. I and mean, we're certainly seeing the start and the emergence of a great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we are, and, and Patrick Mahomes kept the streak alive of NFL uh, quarterbacks who throw him 50 touchdowns yet do not win the Super Bowl in that year. Uh, you know, Mahomes is fun, and I think that's where a lot of people really wanted to see Kansas City against the Rams. However, I think, and this, this is a very unpopular opinion, it was yesterday uh, on the BS Sports Show with Billy Elvis. Stand, uh, that, stand, uh, stand by, Mo, stand by real quick. Rick, do we have you back? Yeah, it was really funny. I thought the show went dead because I wouldn't – I guess my phone just dropped the call. But okay. uh, it happened right when you said the last time we was in Atlanta, the power went out in the Super Bowl, and then everything went dead. And I realized <laughs> that uh, – I was texting you. I was like, uh, something just happened with the show. But I realized what that my phone just dis- disconnected. <laughs> what are the odds that it would happen exactly when I was saying that? Mo, I did not mean to interrupt you. Go ahead and finish your thoughts there, sir. I apologize. That's okay. I forget. What were we talking about? I'm old now. What were we talking about? You were talking about something that you were saying yesterday on the BS Sports Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So the very unpopular opinion, I, I think that uh, that Tom Brady and the Patriots are good for the NFL because with every great story, whether it be a movie or pro wrestling or whatever it is, you got to have a great villain, and Tom Brady and the Patriots are that. So I, I don't, where a lot of people wanted to see the Chiefs and the uh, and the Rams, I think that uh, the NFL is very happy that Tom Brady and the Patriots are there because it gives everybody uh, somebody to hate. The, the, there's always a great villain. You know how much better will this story be? if the Rams win the, the Super Bowl today because they overcame the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Every great story has to have a great villain, and I think nobody's happier than Roger Goodell and the NFL owners when Tom Brady says, by no means, 0% that he retires after this game. Because, again, every great story has to have a great villain, and Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick are that. Well, they do have to have a great villain, which is Rick. But our great hero <laughs> is just joined us, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. You can catch his work on the Sports Exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash Eagles. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to you, Ed. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to all of you. First of all, we, we, we before we move on with the Super Bowl talk, we've got to get a wrestling report from you. I know that you're coaching some pretty good uh, young wrestlers, some up-and-coming wrestlers, and did they get the championship they were looking for? Oh, man, you know, I'm having a blast doing this uh, wrestling coaching. It's my second year doing it, and uh, we did not win the team title yesterday, but we had four individual champions at uh, four different weight classes. Uh, so, you know, the kids wrestled great, had a great time doing it, long day, don't have much of a voice left from all the yelling I was doing, but, uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you, I love doing it. I don't know if you guys do any coaching, but I coach at the middle school level, so, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old kids, and it's just a great time. I, I'm really enjoying the heck out of it. That's that's awesome. That's great. That's great news. And and I know Rick, uh, you're a big fan of another kind of wrestling. So you know, hey, you never know what what can happen. And you know, I did not realize this was a real thing, but I guess it's coming to a venue here in Indianapolis. Um, and it's called midget wrestling. So I'm going to use that word, midget wrestling. Midget wrestling mania is coming here to Indianapolis. So Rick, I think you need to come up here for that. We need to go to that. That just sounds like a good time. Because they just had that here. I didn't go to it. I should have. But that sounds like it would be awesome. <laughs> well, what do you think about it, man? Midget wrestling, huh? Well, you know, I, I actually worked for the WWE for a couple of years, and uh, I can't tell you the number of times that I wrestled a midget and uh, have been headed in the headbutted in the crotch by uh, uh, a midget uh, <laughs> around the uh, around the Midwest by a guy named Hornswoggle. So, yes, uh, I, I've been a part of midget wrestling. Oh, we digress, don't we, Ed? Ed, welcome aboard Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. Uh, let's let's catch up. You know, a little bit about what we we got going on here. We talked a little bit earlier when we were talking about the draft and where the Eagles go with the draft. Do they draft Nick Foles' replacement? I think a lot of us believe that. We think that the Eagles are are embedded with uh, uh, Carson Wentz. Going to move forward with Carson Wentz and probably uh, draft to replace. Uh, Car- uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Nick Foles, I apologize, I said Carson Wentz, but I meant Nick Foles. We were kind of come to just as a general consensus among us three that he'll end up in Jacksonville. But we know that Arizona needs a Cardinal. We know that uh, the Cardinals need a quarterback, I should say. We know there's a lot of places that Nick Foles could go. He certainly uh, earned the right to be an NFL quarterback, but where is he going to be at? What uniform is he going to be? Because I think we can all agree it's not going to be the Eagles. Yeah, I don't think it'll be the Eagles. And you know, here here we're talking about Nick Foles, the MVP of last year's Super Bowl, and uh, what he did last year certainly adds to his uh, to his resume. You know, he threw, threw those three touchdown passes against the Patriots 
uh, in Super Bowl 52 last year, was terrific, slayed the Patriots. So uh, if someone is going to get themselves a Super Bowl winning quarterback who might just be hitting his stride uh, at 30 years old, he'll be 30 years old this year. Um, but a lot of people are comparing him to Kurt Warner, the, the uh, Hall of Fame quarterback who really didn't hit his stride. Uh, until about this age and uh, really played well into his 30s. Uh, so Nick Foles is going to be a hot commodity. Uh, the, the question is, are the Eagles going to trade him or are they just going to let him walk off into the, into the sunset? They're, they have an option they can pick up on him on February 10th uh, off, you know, to pick up his $20 million contract. Uh, and then Nick Foles will have five days to decide whether he wants to get out of that deal and give the Eagles $2 million and become a free agent. I suspect the Eagles uh, will probably pick up that contract, this option, uh, and maybe make a deal with Foles that, look, we're going to try to trade you. Uh, we're going to try to come up with a team that will satisfy you. Where do you want to go? Um, because he has earned that. He's a Super Bowl uh, winning him, uh, quarterback here in Philadelphia. Now, where would he go? He has to find the right system. I would be surprised if he goes to the Washington Redskins. I don't think he would really fit in that Daniel Snyder type culture that he has down there. I don't think the Giants would be uh, a good fit for him. I'm not sure he would do well in that offense. So, yeah, Jacksonville makes sense because of uh, his former quarterbacks coach, John D. Filippo, now being uh, in Jacksonville as the offensive coordinator. Um, So there's some history there. I think Denver makes some sense. I think if Denver doesn't have to give up much, certainly they could be in the mix. Uh, And then you mentioned the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, we'll see with their new head coach, uh, Kingsbury. I don't know what kind of history there is. Uh, you know, he is a t- uh, Texas guy, just like Foles. So there might be some background there. But, you know, that's an interesting place to watch. But right now, if I had to kind of handicap it, I would say the Jaguar, yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars are probably number one. Uh, and the Denver Broncos are, might be a little bit of a dark horse to kind of creep into this conversation. Yeah, and I think we all kind of agree with you on that, that Jacksonville is the place uh, to be. Let's talk a little bit, uh, get your thoughts on some of the things we were already talking about. One of those is that egregious call, that bad, bad call uh, that w- was called, that actually put the Rams, that's probably a little presumptive in saying that it actually put them in the Super Bowl. But it certainly, there was a, the, the pass interference call was not called uh, again, but then there was a face masking call that was not called either. So I, I think it balanced each other off. There's no guarantee had that call been made uh, that the Saints would be in the Super Bowl. Uh, but it does bring light to the fact that um, there needs to be something done. And I know Rick and Mo thinks that maybe there should be no changes made and we just have to move forward and understand that there's going to be bad calls. But certainly this br- brought the light that um, – that bad calls are going to happen, and unfortunately, they happen at bad times sometimes. So what are your thoughts about the call that was missed, the call that wasn't called, if you will, the call that was never heard around the world? There's been all kinds of memes about that uh, call that was clearly missed. Yeah, you know, I, the NFL Network was showing all the previous Super Bowls through the years this past week, and, you know, I liked watching some of those early ones. And, you know, there, there was missed calls uh, throughout the – throughout the NFL's history, you know, in those Super Bowls, there were bad calls and there was no replay. So, you know, you're going to, you are going to have bad calls. It just seemed like there were so many of them this year. And, you know, you think back to the beginning of the season when they were really protecting the quarterbacks and they didn't want you to hit the quarterback uh, pretty much at all. And then one of the Miami's offense defensive ends ends up tearing his ACL because he tries to pull up without hitting the quarterback. So 
uh, you know, there was that emphasis on that, and then they kind of got away from that, and they didn't call as many hits to the quarterback. So it's very inconsistent, some of this officiating. I don't know if they need to get to more clinics or more, uh, you know, do more instruction in the offseason. Uh, they talk about having full-time officials. I really don't know how much that would help. I mean, how much film can you watch during the week if you're an NFL official on, on the previous week's games? Um, they just have to have a more of a consistent message, I think, from the top on down. And, and then there are going to be missed calls. That call uh, you mentioned that, that kind of uh, uh, put the Saints in a bad position in that NFC championship game. I know it was a pretty costly call, but frankly, I'm tired of the Saints fans whining about it. You know, you're trying to get the government involved, trying to get Dell to replay the game. I mean, come on, let, get over it. Every team has had bad calls against them this year. And let's face it, the Saints got the – they won the coin flip in overtime. They had the ball and breezed through an interception. So, please don't tell me that call cost the, the Saints the game. I mean, they still had opportunities to win it after uh, that call was missed. So, uh, I think this game is played at such a high speed uh, these days, and it's just so difficult for an official to see things at – in regular speed when they're watching it live on the field. I mean, we, we have the benefit of replay on our televisions that really slow things down and you can see it a little bit more, but when that play is happening at live speed, it's very difficult. Um, I, I think something does need to be done. I, I'm not sure what it is. I think, I don't think you can replay everything. I mean, that'll just slow down the game and it'll make it unwatchable from that standpoint. So I think maybe you just need more of a consistent message. Maybe it does mean some more off season clinics for these officials to go to, um, but I think you just need to have more of a consistent message, more of a consistent uh, calls week in and week out uh, from these game officials. Because right now we're just seeing too much inconsistency. And, and then we're just going to have to live with some of the missed calls. Yeah, there's going to be missed calls, but that has been happening since the NFL was founded, you know, 100 years ago or however long it's been. Because I watched some of his replays of the Super Bowls and there were some bad calls uh, that got missed in those Super Bowl games. So it's, this isn't anything new. Uh, but I just think that uh, maybe the message needs to be clear from up top, uh, from, from the officiating office. This is our official Super Bowl special. We do it every year. Uh, we're joined by uh, Ed Kratz, our official uh, NFL contributor, Mo from the BS Sports Show, Rick Riggin. Guys, let's kind of go around the horn here and just get your thoughts on what your top story is that you that you had to touch about on it and then we'll get into uh break it down these two teams for for super bowl 53 we'll start with you rick riggin rick uh, biggest story doesn't matter if it's game related or non-game related biggest story of super bowl 53 that you'd like to bring to the table sir well i don't know if it's a big story because i don't think anybody's really came up with it yet but i was thinking it and the question I, I think I texted to you tom a few days ago is tom brady really going to be a hall of famer and my thought is is they'll probably put him in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think that he is. And I was going to put my reasons why out there, uh, why that is, uh, because you look at Bonds and Clemens in baseball, and they'll never get in the Hall of Fame because of cheating, right? Well, if cheating is cheating, then how can Brady and Belichick get into the Hall of Fame? And that's the reason why I would say no because of that. Tom Brady will not be in the Hall of Fame. They'll put him in the Football Hall of Fame because it's two different sports but if cheating is cheating, then no, Brady should not be in the Hall of Fame. And I was wanting to get your uh, everybody's thoughts on that. 
So I'll start with that, and that's a valid point, especially when you compare it to Barry Bonds. I know when uh, when you sent me that text, I was a little perplexed, but now I understand your reasonings on it because he was suspended for four games. Bill Belichick was also suspended for uh, his uh, his part in Spygate, and I think everybody likes to hate the Patriots, but whether it, it could have been Peyton Manning, it could have been anybody that was guilty of that. And to be excluded from the Hall of Fame because of cheating, I, I totally agree with. And I think by those circumstances that it, it won't happen. But I do – I just can't imagine the NFL saying no to Tom Brady or Bill Belichick in the Hall of Fame. Mo, you're up. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, Tom Brady wasn't uh, accused in Spygate. That was Bill Belichick and his coaching staff. And I think the, the deflate rule is stupid. I think quarterbacks should be able to have the football how they like it. They use separate footballs from each team for each quarterback, so I think the quarterback should be able to have the football how they want it, whether it's harder than normal, whether it's softer than normal. Uh, the quarterback should be able to have the football how they want it. Uh, I mean, it, Tom Brady is going to be a Hall of Famer regardless. Uh, I, I think the performance-enhancing deals with it, it. You have to look at that differently. I think if uh, Tom Brady was accused of uh, performance-enhancing drugs, which had, had you know, elongated his career, uh, then may, possibly – but, uh, you know, that's something the NFL has never really put on the forefront. You know, guys like Lawrence Taylor and those guys who have used drugs are in there. So I don't think it would ever happen with the NFL. And in my mind, uh, you know, Tom Brady will be a Hall of Famer, as will Bill Belichick. You know, he's still argued today as the, the greatest football coach of all time. Uh, and Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. So uh, I don't think there's any shot of them not making it in. I, I think the, the cases are different. I, like I said, I think the, the, deflate, gate, the deflate rule is stupid. Uh, the Spygate stuff, I mean, you know, it is what it is. He got caught. He got suspended. But it, regardless of that, he still wins a lot of football games, a lot of championships. And, and what he's done, uh, getting this team back at the Super Bowl or to the AFC Championship, what is eight or nine straight years, is absolutely insanely hard to do. So uh, they're both, uh, both Hall of Famers. Ed, uh, what are your thoughts on that story? Uh, yeah, well, I agree with Mo. I mean, I, but I can see Rick's point. I mean, uh, but they are different situations. Like Mo said, you know, it wasn't like he took performing enhancing drugs. Um, you know, I, I don't agree that the air should be let out of balls, though. I think, that, you know, you all have to play with the same ball, and, uh, you know, it should be filled to a proper uh, whatever it is, PSI that you put in the balls. But, um, you know, and he's doing that, and, you know, the, kind of an addendum to that, when he got caught for letting air out of the balls was, you know, the Patriots led the league in the, in the fewest amount of fumbles uh, that season. And that could be because they were playing with a softer ball. It's much easier to hold on to a ball when it's softer. So, uh, you know, they were probably, they got caught prior to that game, I guess, against the Colts, uh, but they were doing that all season long. So, uh, you know, that's a, and that's a violation of the rules, whether a quarterback should be allowed to have the ball uh, inflated to a proper <clears throat> proper poundage or not. I mean, they broke the rules. That that was a violation. So, But I don't think people remember that. I think Brady, gosh, when you look at his record, man, this is his ninth Super Bowl in, what, 17 or 18 years in the league. That's just amazing. You're never, I don't think you will ever see a quarterback that will play half of his uh, career with games in the Super Bowl. That's just crazy stuff. Um, as far as Bill Belichick, uh, you know, look, they got caught cheating in that spy gate, and they were penalized the first-round draft pick. I mean, that's how severe it was. Um, so that was a blatant cheat uh, that they had going on with that Spygate stuff. And, they, I mean, they were destroying documents. They, Roger Goodell destroyed all the documents because he didn't want more to come out because I think there was more to it than what, you know, even the public knows. Um, it was severe enough for Roger Goodell to take a first-round draft pick away from, uh, from the New England Patriots franchise, one that he loved with Robert Kraft as the owner. So, uh, you know, that was a blatant cheat. But, again, I think Belichick will probably get in. People won't like it. 
uh, you know, there'll be a segment of people that won't like it because of the cheat gate, and that will never go away. But, you know, to me, they're both first-time ballot Hall of Famers from, you know, five years after they retire. Uh, and, and, you know, that'll upset some people, but I think it's well-deserved on both, both fronts. Mo, your uh, hot take or story that you want to talk to and bring to the table about Super Bowl 53? The most important player to me in this football game is Ndamukong Sue, and here's why. So Tom Brady tends to struggle. We saw it with the Eagles last year when he gets pressure up the middle. We know Bill Belichick is going to try to take away your best thing on the other side of the ball, which will be Aaron Donald. And, you know, when teams try to blitz the, the Patriots and they have to use their safeties or use their defensive backs, that's when Tom Brady tends to tear you apart, uh, tends to pick apart your offense. So, to me, the most important guy on this football team and in this game is going to be in Dominican Sue. Can he get pressure on Tom Brady up the middle where it makes Tom Brady a little bit uncomfortable? It's hard to make him uncomfortable, but that's where it tends to happen is right up the middle. And I don't think it's going to come from Aaron Donald. So I think the most important player in this game, and, and people have called me crazy all week long, is uh, Ndamukong Sue. You know, I actually agree with that, that take, and that's a very valid take because you've got to figure out the only way you're going to beat the Patriots and the only way you're going to beat Tom Brady is to get them off their scheme and to get them and, – and, and most importantly, keep Tom Brady off the field. Uh, make him a spectator, and that's got to be a job of his. So I, I agree with you. That's probably one of the most important uh, uh, players on, on the, on the, uh, of the game today. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on that? Sue's uh, – uh, I'm, I'm just going to go with Sue, uh, the uh, most important player on the field today night yeah i think he's probably right and i had this thought a couple days ago because you want to take a guy away uh what do you got what do you do you double team a guy well the rams have two guys on that line so if they double team uh aaron donald uh that's going to leave sue one-on-one uh even though i think the patriots offensive line is pretty good this year but they really have two guys on their defensive line the rams do you got to have to double team so if you double team one it's going to leave the other one so what do you do uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but I agree with Mo. I think Sue's going to have a uh, a game to remember because of that. And and Ed, I get your thoughts on this as well. I mean, you got to remember Sue was offered a lot of uh, lucrative contracts. He took less money to go to the Rams, and I think he saw something there with the Rams that he could be a part of and be a leader with. He was obviously a uh, cap casualty with the Miami Dolphins, released back in March, uh, and then. T- decided to take less money uh, to go to the Rams, and, and he's been a vital part of that Rams uh, defense. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I agree with you. And, you know, no quarterback likes to have any pressure in his face, and the Dominican Sioux has to come, you know, up the middle uh, and, and get in Brady's face and make it uncomfortable, make it impossible for him to step up. Uh, and then you try to force him to the outside where, you know, you might have Aaron Donald crashing in on one of those, at one of those ends. So, I mean, we saw it last year with Brandon Graham. They, you know, the defensive end, they moved in inside for one play to defensive tackle in the final two minutes of that Super Bowl last year with Brady and the ball in his hands with a chance to win the game. And Brandon Graham came right up the middle and was able to get pressure on Brady, knock the ball away, and create a fumble that, uh, you know, is probably one of the greatest plays in Eagles history. So, you know, the McDonough Sue can certainly do that um, and, and could make an impact. Now, you know, to me, uh, James White is a very important part of this game for the Patriots to kind of counteract that pass rush. I think the linebacking core of the Rams is probably the weakest level of that defense. So you're going to have, you know, some quicker passes, I think, to the running backs, maybe Sony Michelle. But, you know, certainly James White has a history in this game two years ago or three years ago now, I guess, in 2016. 
you know, he had, uh, he was the MVP. He caught, the, you know, I think it was 18 passes for, you know, 150 yards, something like that. I don't think it was 150, but uh, it was certainly over 125. Uh, and I suspect that he could play a role because I think the, the Patriots are going to try to get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly to negate that, that Sue presence and that Donald presence uh, on the outside or inside, wherever he lines up. Uh, and I think that brings the running backs into the equation, guys like James White and that rookie, Sony Michelle. I expect to see a quick passing game uh, to see if these Rams linebackers uh, are up to the task playing in the Super Bowl. Well, we'll go into one more uh, storyline that I thought was a very interesting statistic that I saw this week. The age difference uh, between uh, the Patriots quarterback, Tom Brady, which is 41, and uh, the Rams' Jared Goff, which is 24, is the largest gap between two opposing starting quarterbacks in Super Bowl history. And you look at Again, we kind of touched on this earlier when we were talking about uh, Mahomes and we were talking about uh, Brady and we were talking about uh, Goff and, and, and Brady and, you know, and so forth. Uh, so we're seeing the legend like Tom Brady, as we mentioned earlier, he doesn't have much more to prove. I mean, if he if he wins tonight, he's probably going to be the the. One could say the greatest champion of all time. I, I don't like to say that about Tom Brady because, I mean, he's Tom Brady. But come on, he's won enough games to say, hey, he's one of the greatest. So my opinion is time for him to go after this season. I'm just saying. But we're seeing the young and the old. And we see this in a lot of sports. We see this in racing especially. We see that these, these guys that are great, you got you to gotta look at, when you put this in perspective, guys, Tom Brady was winning Super Bowls when Jared Goff was in high school. And now they're facing off each other. That's got to be a mammoth uh, coming to Jesus moment for Jared Goff. Where he's at, where he's come, and where he's going. What do you think? We'll start with you, Rick. What do you think about the age gap? Again, being the largest uh, gap, age gap between two opposing Super Bowl uh, quarterbacks in history. Uh, what are your thoughts, Rick? Uh, it's not really a thought. I haven't really thought about it. I knew the age gap, and I, I knew they'll probably bring it up today during the game probably three or four times. That's why I was asking if the over-under was like two and a half on how many times they bring up the age gap. But it, they're they're on two different teams. They they win in different ways. You know, it, the Rams have a great defense, and it's not all on the shoulders of, of Jared Goff, where the Patriots, I do feel – uh, the game is completely on Tom Brady's shoulders, and that's the difference between the two quarterbacks. That I don't for me, for me, it's not an age thing; it, it's an experience thing. You know, uh, Brady's just been there. That uh, they play like the the uh, the Dolphins in the AFC Championship game in like 2006, and they had somebody from the Dolphins team saying, "I, I still can't believe Brady is still playing for these championship games." And, 2019, you know, 2018 to 2019, it's an experience thing more than it is the age uh, for me, I guess. But they're two different teams, and both quarterbacks are two different play styles because of the teams they're on. Mo, what are your thoughts? Is there is there anything to this age difference? Or, I mean, let's face it. I mean, no, Tom Brady's 41, but uh, he's probably the healthiest 41 year old out there in the world right now. But anyway, uh, what are what are your thoughts on the age age difference there? Mo, are you there? Yeah, sorry. I, I think it's, it's strange that uh, that you know we we seem enamored with what Jared Goff has done uh, because you know uh, shame on the uh, on the Rams and Jeff Fisher for making us think that Jared Goff was a bust. Uh, you know, I think 
this is Jared Goff, and it just took the right system and the right coach for him to, to be who he is. With Tom Brady, it's very curious to me. It seems like we, we look at Tom Brady a lot like we look at LeBron James. We hold the losses against them so much. Uh, you know, you still hear people all week long, uh, you know, Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, never lost, 4-0, no interceptions. But getting there, to me, is, is so hard to do in, in the consistency of which he's gotten there, the consistency of which LeBron James made it to the finals and drug bad teams to the finals, both of them. I mean, there's been a couple of New England teams that honestly had no business being there, but because of the greatness of, of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they are. Uh, you know, I don't think we give the Buffalo Bills enough credit for making the four straight Super Bowls because it's such a hard thing to do, especially in this league and in, in this day and age. So where I, I, you know, obviously Tom Brady and his age is an experience. I don't think he gets enough credit, which is so weird to say at times, for what he's done just because we tend to hold the losses against him. And, and if he loses today – a lot of people will, will try to downgrade Brady for that. But, again, just getting there and, and having covered LeBron James for the last couple of years with the Cavaliers, uh, just watching the process it takes for these great players just to get these teams there is amazing to me. So as where Tom Brady's been enemy number one for, you know, however many years he's been in the league, especially, you know, being a Colts fan, it, it, it amazes me at, uh, at the consistency of which uh, him and Belichick have done it. Ed, is there anything to the age gap between Tom Brady and Jared Goff? Yeah, I think there'll be a, I think it, for sure, I think that, you know, Brady has been there, done that, right? This is his ninth Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, that whole Patriots team, I think there's 36 players that have played in a Super Bowl game and the Rams do not have a single one uh, on their roster that's played in a Super Bowl game. And, and this will be Goff's first, obviously. Uh, he's young. He's only his third year in the league. Um, and it's going to be up to him not to make mistakes. I mean, he cannot make any killer mistakes. It's going to, give this Patriots team a short field. And, you know, he does have the luxury golf of having, you know, uh, an MVP type running back in Todd Gurley, a, a guy in CJ Anderson, who really has brought some fresh legs to this team in the backfield. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to do it all himself. And I, and I agree with what Rick said, Tom Brady, the Patriots go as he goes. And, uh, you know, that's why the, they have had so much success is because Brady has been able to do it at such a high level for so long. So, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, definitely an advantage for the Patriots. But Goff just has to play within McVay's offense. McVay can't ask him to do too much. They can't afford to get behind by a big number because then Goff will have to do more than what I think McVay wants him to do. Um, but then when you look at the Patriots, just listen to what Mo said about getting there and how difficult it is. And, you know, the Bills doing it four times, that's that's terrific. It's a shame they couldn't find a way to win one uh, during that time. But uh, since that time, the AFC East has really stunk, and that has helped the Patriots kind of get where they are. I mean, they just kind of own that division, so that's kind of been six wins just about every single year uh, for the Patriots, and then you win a few more games. Next thing you know, uh, you have a bye in the playoffs. It was kind of an interesting stat uh, that the Patriots beating Kansas City uh, in Kansas City in that AFC championship game, that was their uh, first playoff road win since 2006. So, you know, for the Patriots, it's kind of been that's kind of been the script for them is you know they get that first seed or that second seed, they have a bye and then they play home games, uh, and that is a big reason too why they are where they are and a big reason for getting those home games and that one or two seed is because their division has frankly stunk uh, for this entire century. You know, no team has stepped up to even challenge the Patriots uh, much at all. I think maybe in 0-2, uh, I think maybe someone, I think maybe the Dolphins did, but the, really. 
that, that's been it. I mean, that division is just dreadful, uh, hasn't gotten any better, and that has helped the Patriots to do what they've done. Well, this is our annual Super Bowl special. It is Super Bowl 53. It's in Atlanta. It happens tonight. We're going to take a break. When we get back, hour number two, we're going to break down all, everything that's happening in today's game. Uh, the offensives, the defenses of both the Rams and the Patriots. We'll talk a little bit about the halftime show, a little bit about Colin Kapatrick, uh, a little bit about Super Bowl uh, commercials. We'll talk a little bit about uh, also who's going to be our Super Bowl winner and our MVP as well. And, Rick, I think you got to jump off, don't you? Yeah, I'm going to get out of here. i got to go buy some stuff. Like I said, it's at Super Bowl, Sundays, beers, food, big tradition. <laughs> All right, when you go get your beer and food, uh, we need to get your pick, though, before you leave for uh, Super Bowl MVP and your winner of the Super Bowl 53. I'm going to take the Rams. I, I think they have too much on defense. I know Brady and Belichick can, can pick these things apart. They probably have five different game plans for if certain things happen. But I'm going to I'm going to sit I'm going to sit here on the Rams defense. And I think the Rams uh, get it done. And who who is did I miss your MVP pick? Oh MVP, I'm going to go. Man, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Todd Gurley. Ah, that's a good pick. Good pick. All right, Rick, have yourself a good uh, Super Bowl weekend. We'll see what happens uh, later on tonight. Yep, see you guys. <laughs> see you, Rick. He's got his priorities, man. Food and beer on Super Bowl Sunday. I can't say that I blame him. i got to make the same trip after the show as well. But we'll be back with Mo and Ed, and we're going to break down by the numbers on uh, Super Bowl 53 from Atlanta. Tonight, it's the Super Bowl special, 917-889-8516. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. 
Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Super Bowl special. Uh, it's uh, one of the couple days a year that we actually get to visit with you on Sunday as well. Uh, our, and our IndyCar special, Indy 500 special, we have that on Sunday as well. It is Super Bowl 53. It is Atlanta. We have two teams ready to go tonight. The New England Patriots, a proven foe in the Super Bowl, cannot take them for granted, cannot fall asleep on them. And, and again, of course, we've got the L.A. Rams who have uh, the, the chosen one, the Messiah, uh, the, the, new, uh, the, the, the new blood, if you will. Uh, Ed, and you didn't get to join the conversation with us earlier when we were talking about uh, Sean McVay, uh, the new hot, trendy uh, thing that everybody's looking at in the old scruffy Bill Belichick. What are your thoughts when you look at those two coaches? Well, if I have to hear again how young Sean McVay is, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, probably <laughs> get sick or something because, uh, you, know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm just tired of hearing about it. And, you know, I know here in Philadelphia it kind of rubs people the wrong way, Sean McVay, too, because, you know, here is Doug Peterson who – uh, you know, isn't the young grizzled vet, but has beaten Sean McVay twice in two seasons. You know, he's got a two-game winning streak over McVay. He's 2-0 and against him, both wins happening in the Rams' own backyard. Uh, so, you know, Eagles fans don't want to hear how great Sean McVay is when he couldn't even find a way to beat Doug Peterson uh, in his two matchups against him. And, you know, so, you know, obviously he is an offensive, uh, very good offensive mind, but when you look at, uh, his team this year, I guess he, he played a lot of the same formations. He was in 11 personnel a lot this year with one tight end, uh, using one tight end, and that kind of got a little too predictable. You saw it toward the end of the year. Teams tried to figure it out, and now McVay is trying to go a little more multiple with his offense, uh, and he's going away from that 11 personnel package 
you know, and using it a little bit less. He still uses it a lot. But, you know, to beat the Patriots, you need to have a multiple offense because, you know, uh, Bill Belichick is a master at taking away uh, whatever your top weapon is. You know, we saw it against Keenan Allen with the Chargers. Uh, we saw it a little bit at Kansas City with Tyree Kill. Uh, so, you know, he's very good at taking away that number one option. So the Rams need to find a way to be multiple. It's really not in McVay's DNA uh, to be as multiple as some of these other teams are in the NFL. And that's going to be interesting to see if these two weeks have given him an opportunity maybe uh, to find a little bit more uh, ways to employ that offense of his rather than just being so predictable. Because if he's predictable again, Belichick's just going to shut that offense down. All right, guys, let's start the talk. Let's start the game talk. Everything, every game starts with the national anthem. We finally thought we had the national anthem uh, uh, protest, scandal, whatever word you want to attach, insert name here. We did. We, we saw networks not showing kneeling. We saw, but then, oh, wait a minute. Colin Kilpatrick uh, was not getting the attention that he wanted anymore, and he begged and pleaded for people to take a stand and not play at the halftime show or not sing the national anthem. One of those people that took that that heat was Gladys Knight, and of course, Maroon Five will do the do the halftime show. But really, what are your thoughts about this constant nagging, Colin Kilpatrick, and what's going on? I'm ready to get past that. But here we are, Super Bowl Sunday. We're talking about it again. Real quickly, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I don't even talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick really uh, anymore. Uh, to me, it's a, it's a dead issue. I think we're long away from what the actual issue was uh, when, when he started his whole protest. I think it's more than something completely different. I think it's gotten off message. So, uh, honestly, I don't, even, I don't even really talk about it on my show anymore. I couldn't agree with you more. And, Ed, I think maybe you might be in agreement with that as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Colin who? I mean, Kirkpatrick, Kaepernick, doesn't matter. I mean, he hasn't played in the league in a, in a couple couple of years now. And, um, you know, let's just move past it. Uh, there's a reason he hasn't played. And, you know, we, I think we all kind of know what that reason could be. Uh, I personally think it's because he just can't really play. And, and that might be part of it. But I think the other part of it, too, and I agree, is that he's kind of been blackballed for what his stance was. But, you know, listen, we're beyond that now. Uh, no need to bring that up or relive it. All right, guys, and, and Ed, uh, talk with us a little bit about what it's been like uh, having the Super Bowl honeymoon this year, being the defending uh, Super Bowl champion. Uh, I know you guys have had your ups and downs, and you guys were right there in the thick of it all. Uh, certainly no reason to believe that you won't be back next year, but talk with us a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl hangover. <laughs> uh, well, I, I know – you know, I was in Minnesota for that week last year, and it was just great. Uh, you know, it was really an Eagle fan takeover in Minneapolis last year. I would say, you know, the fans in that stadium were probably 70% Eagle fans uh, versus Patriots fans. And, you know, I know some people down in Atlanta this week covering the game, and they say the atmosphere is completely different. You know, there's not as much buzz uh, there. You know, the Patriots fans, that you know, there's not a lot of jerseys. There are, but, you know, the Patriots fans are excited for their team, but really it's kind of you know, this is uh, just another year the Patriots are in it, third straight year. So, you know, imagine a fan base that has had that kind of success. You know, you're obviously not going to be as stoked as you were if you were, say, uh, an Eagles fan whose team hadn't made it to the Super Bowl since 2005 or a Colts fan. Imagine the turnout the Colts would have uh, if their team was playing in the Super Bowl um, or, or even the Chiefs, you know, that rabid fan base the Chiefs have. Had they been 
in Atlanta this week. But, you know, and as far as L.A. goes, you know, there's, you know, they're kind of new to the city. I know they've been back and forth uh, through the decades in L.A., St. Louis, back in L.A. But, you know, there really isn't that passionate fan base in Los Angeles either for the Rams. I mean, they're trying to get to that point. And, you know, there are some Ram jerseys that are turning up in, in Atlanta. But, you know, the buzz isn't the same. There isn't that rabid fan base that's descending on Atlanta like we saw in Minnesota last year. Um, so, you know, that's kind of been an interesting thing, but I think for the Eagles, yeah, they really made it things interesting, uh, in the postseason. you know, they were an interception away from probably beating the saints and, and going to LA and trying to make it three, and zero against Sean McVay and his Rams. And I think they would have found a way to win again. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. The Eagles aren't there. They certainly did themselves proud by, uh, making a run late. They're six and seven at one point in the season eliminated from winning the NFC East, and yet they made a great run going to L.A., beating L.A., hosting the Texans, beating a Texans team that was ticketed for the playoffs, and then shutting out the Washington Redskins and getting help from the Vikings uh, going belly up against the Bears for the Eagles to get in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it was a great finish for the Eagles, and you're right. I think that they have the ability to get back. It's a key off season for them. A lot of decisions to be made, not just Nick Foles. Uh, they need to find, you know, some uh, running back, need to figure out what's going on with their offensive line. Um, so there's some questions that need answered, but I certainly think they have the talent to get back into the mix uh, in 2019. Mo, let's talk about your season this year. Obviously you cover the Bears and the Browns. You're also a Colts fan like myself, so help me play the homer card here. At the beginning of the season, you and Rick both said, uh, Andrew Luck won't make it six games. Andrew Luck isn't back. Uh, there's so many problems that need to be fixed. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts went out and, and checked off boxes. They started off slow, uh, but were able to get things together. I think we've got a lot of holes fixed in the offensive line. I think we can safely say that uh, Andrew Luck is back. So talk to us about your season with the Browns, the Bears, and as a Colts fan. Well, I mean, you know, all those teams took big step forwards this year. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody thought that Andrew Luck was going to have the season that he had with the way things started out. Uh, you know, the Colts' defense was lacking the beginning of the season. And then, you know, you we found uh, uh, Darius Leonard, who became the uh, defensive rookie of the year and uh, an all-pro. Uh, you know, that helps the, the drafting, obviously, of Quentin Nelson, uh, another rookie all-pro on the offensive line helped. It, it's, a, it's a strange formula. The Colts couldn't figure out for five years. You have a, a – franchise quarterback you should protect him I mean who knew uh you know with the I, I think the Colts uh need some help still on defense and the defensive backfield and they need another weapon alongside a T.Y. Hilton uh but you know as far as the Bears go uh there's another team that took a big step forward this year they've got to uh uh solidify a few things here and there they got to figure out uh, their running game a little more maybe another weapon for Mitch Trubisky uh, but, uh, you know, they're a team moving in the right direction, too. Then you'll get uh, a full off season with Khalil Mack, and to get him fully ingrained and fully in shape for next season is a scary thought. Uh, and then, obviously, for the Browns, there's, uh, you know, rejoicing galore like there hasn't been in, in years uh, for this football team. Uh, it's going to be uh, another big draft for John Dorsey in this front office. Uh, can Freddie Kitchens continue the magic he had on the offensive side of the football uh, with uh, with Baker Mayfield and now being uh, the uh, head coach, how will, what will happen with the defense with Greg Williams being gone now? Um, so that'll be a, a big thing for those guys as they move forward. But there hasn't been this, this much excitement, I think, for an offseason in, in, in years for this Browns team. 
Well, we'll see what happens. Well, all right, guys, let's get into it. We'll start with uh, you, Ed. Let's start with the offense of the of the L.A. Rams, obviously led by Todd Gurley and Jared Goff. And uh, uh, as we just talked about, Sean McVay. And we'll we'll do a drinking shot every time that there's an, a, a, an age gap uh I mentioned during the game, we'll, we'll take a shot. Uh, but uh, so, what are your what are your thoughts? The, the offensive line, break it down for us. Watch, help us watch some tape of the of the L.A. Rams. What do they got to do uh, to beat on the offensive line to beat the, the New England Patriots in Super Bowl Fifty Three in Atlanta tonight? Yeah, well, you know, it does all start up front if you're the offense uh, on that offensive line. Uh, and, and I know Saturday night the uh, the Rams offensive line was named the offensive line of the year. Uh, in that award ceremony, you know, take it for what it's worth. But the last team to win that award was the Philadelphia Eagles uh, the night before last year's Super Bowl, and they went out uh, and they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, could that be a harbinger of uh, what's going to happen later tonight, uh, Super Bowl Sunday night? Maybe, uh, because I know that offensive line is, is pretty good, and it's a little underrated because, you know, Gurley and uh, Goff and now uh, C.J. Anderson, they're getting a lot of the, the headlines, and Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver, uh, but, you know, it does start up front. You have Andrew Whitworth, the oldest uh, left tackle to play uh, in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he, he certainly had a rebirth late in his career here. He, he, he's kind of the linchpin of that line. But then Roger Saffold at left guard uh, has been, a, you know, a great addition for this line. And that left side is very powerful. And, they, you know, if they can get things churned, churned up or turned up, the, you know, they'll have a – I think Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson could have a good day. And, you know, we talked earlier about – keeping the ball out of the hands of Tom Brady in that offense. Well, that's the way to do it. You run the ball, you pick up first downs, you do it on the ground, and, and that's where you have to count on your offensive line to get the job done. And, they, and the Rams do have that kind of offensive line uh, to get the job done. Very underrated, but uh, as we saw last night, they got credit where credit was due, and they were named the offensive line of the year. Well, absolutely. A great job that LaFerre's been able to do under Sean McVay. I know we keep talking about the, the, how, how good Sean McVay is, and maybe he is the beginning of something great. Maybe he's the beginning of the new uh, Bill Belichick, but he has certainly been able to put something together. Mo, what are your thoughts? Uh, certainly, uh, uh, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, uh, um, the offensive line for the Rams, I, I'm Cooks, I'm sorry, was the wide receiver. I think he did. He used to play for the Patriots. I believe he did. Don't yeah. be wrong about that. Uh, so no, go ahead, right. uh, Mo. Right. What are your thoughts? Did. Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts, yeah, Mo? I mean, Brandon Cooks, uh, former Patriot, former Saint. Uh, to me, it, it's going to be like I talked about before. How, how quickly uh, can Sean McVay and his staff adapt to what Bill Belichick tries to take away? We saw it. Uh, with the Chiefs last week, they couldn't adapt until the second half. And at that point, uh, it, you know, time ran out on them. Had they scored some points in the first half and been able to adapt quicker, I think they were probably playing in the, in the Super Bowl today. So uh, how quickly can Sean McVay and his staff uh, adapt to, to what Bill Belichick tries to take away? If Bill Belichick tries to take away the run, can Jared Goff make the passes and the plays that needed to be made uh, to Woods and to Cooks and those guys down the field in order to continue them to move the football? So, uh, you know, to me, today is all about adapting for, for the offense of the Rams and for Sean McVay. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. What can they do to, uh, to counter that and to, uh, and to change the game plan if need be in order to uh, score points and win this football game? Well, absolutely. Now let's let's talk about the defensive side uh, of the of the Rams. Certainly uh, led by a, a very experienced guy himself, and Wade Phillips. I, I think we a lot of times we forget that he's on the sidelines with with the L.A. Rams, and, and I think defensively you got you can't 
ask yourself, how did the Rams get to the Super Bowl when you know that Wade Phillips is a defensive coordinator? Uh, talk with us. When we talked about Sue earlier. Mo, we'll start with you. Talk with us about the uh, defensive line and what does the defense have to do, quite frankly, to disrupt Tom Brady and to get the face of Tom Brady and to stop play, plays uh, from Gronk and, and to just to stop that powerful offense. Uh, Wade Phillips and, and, and his team have got to start out hitting them in the mouth from the beginning. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, the Patriots are successful, especially in the playoffs when they, have, uh, when they run for over 100 yards. What if Wade Phillips took a, a, a page out of Bill Belichick's uh, playbook and, and stopped the run and, and made Tom Brady throw the football down the field to beat him? And, and I know it sounds strange talking about the, possibly the greatest quarterback of all time and having make him beat you, but the Patriots are so successful when they, when they get that running game going. What if, the, uh, what if the Rams just key on that and key on that running game and, uh, and try to make Brady throw the football to beat them? Uh, I think that would be an interesting way to uh, see the Rams attack this football team uh, with uh, White and, and Michelle and those guys, uh, the running attack and those swing passes. If the Rams can stop the running attack of the Patriots, I, I think they can win this football game. Ed, have you ever seen a side-by-side picture of uh, Bill Belichick and Wade Phillips? I think they're twins. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, sort of. Uh, they, yeah, I, I've I was, not uh, seen a picture. Oh, uh, it's it. You should. The, the, their team picture on their website. Uh, and, and then it, somebody did a side-by-side this week of, of Bill Belichick and. And uh, Wade Phillips. Either which way, Wade Phillips has got to come out uh, with the defensive line. Help us understand, Ed, about the defensive line of the L.A. Rams and what they've got to do to disrupt uh, the New England Patriots at Super Bowl 53. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've seen a picture side by side of Belichick in that uh, Star Wars character, the Sith Lord, and you know that's a spinning <laughs> image to me. Those, those two look exactly alike. True. True. <laughs> but yep. But uh, yeah, you know, I think I think you know, Mo has a good point. You know, that if the if the Rams can take away that running game, but you know what? Listen, I mean, that's an advantage to the Patriots to have the ball in Brady's hands. I mean, that's that's the you know, he's their best player. That's who you want uh, to have the ball in his hands, and um, and he'll make plays with that football no matter you know if he has to. Uh, and you know, if they can shut down that running game and kind of make it, you know, have Brady throw the ball more than 40 times, and then that's probably going to be a win for the Rams. But, um, you know, they're going to try to run that ball. Uh, the Patriots' offensive line is just so unheralded. I mean, you know, you could look at that line, and I don't think there's a familiar name on that offensive line. Um, you know, when you look at the success they have, yeah, Brady and Belichick are a big reason. And this, But this offensive line, every year it seems different, and yet they still have the same results, which is pretty uh, impressive. So, uh, you know, that offensive line is going to have to find a way to open up holes in that run game, and, and they're going to have to do it probably by doubling Aaron Donald and, or Nadama Kinsu up front, and then you have that pressure on the outside that Michael Brockers uh, is capable of generating. So uh, it's going to be a tall task for that offensive line of the Patriots. But, you know, again, I, I think that if you look uh, at the, at the uh, both lines for both teams, I think it's advantage offensive line for the Rams, and I think it's an advantage – to the Rams on the defensive line also. Well, uh, let's see what happens. You know, uh, guys, as you know, uh, the, the Rams and the Patriots met in the, the Super Bowl exactly 17 years ago to the day, uh, which obviously the Patriots won and went on to begin their dynasty. Uh, do you think, uh, uh, Todd, that there's a real possibility that the Rams start and end the New England dynasty? 
Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely possible. But you know, to me, the dynasty has just been the overall body of work of the Patriots. Whether they win or lose the game today, obviously, winning the game enhances the legend of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But to me, the uh, the, the dynasty is con- is the continuation of uh, them making the AFC Championship, making the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know that the dynasty necessarily ends today, even with a loss. I, I think, like I mentioned earlier, the AFC East is a cakewalk. I think you, you know, Tom Brady said there's zero percent chance that he retires, uh, and and whenever Tom Brady's there, uh, I think there's a, definitely a chance that uh, that this team will be back there again. So I, I think the the Rams can make their mark today and win the football game, but I don't think it ends the dynasty of the overall body of work that we know as the Patriots. Well, we hope it ends uh, pretty soon. You know, uh, Ed, uh, that Jeff, uh, I mean, Goff, I'm sorry, Goff and, and Brady are both from the Bay Area. They, they're only, they grew up about an hour apart from each other. Brady was 24 years old when he won his first Super Bowl, uh, which is coincidentally the same age as Goff. Could the torch be passed tonight, Ed? <laughs> you know, Tom, I think he asked that same question last year. When the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, would we see an end of the dynasty? And, you know, the Eagles beat the Patriots, and yet here we are a year later. The Patriots uh, went through the AFC, and they're back in the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, you kind of get an appreciation if you're an Eagles fan just how tough that is. I mean, you saw the Eagles' struggles this year. Uh, you have to get used to a shorter off season of making decisions with your personnel. You have injuries that can pile up from a longer season. You have guys, in, you know, getting in, uh, surgery in the off season in February and March, and then that delays uh, their return to the field through the OTAs and into training camp. So the Patriots have found a way to manage that. And here they are right back again. So I agree with Mo. I don't think a loss today ends the dynasty. You have to look at the whole body of work, uh, not just a year-to-year thing. And the, the Patriots are a dynasty. Would it be the end? It is a cakewalk in the AFC East. You can't count count uh, the Patriots out unless you know until a team rises up and is able to challenge them in their own division. Um, so I don't think it's the end of the dynasty. Maybe a passing of the torch. You know, maybe Goff takes it uh, and is able to run with it and get the Rams into the Super Bowl over the next uh, you know five years. Maybe getting another two two Super Bowls over that time, if not more. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not really sold yet on Goff. Uh, or even McVay, for that matter, as a head coach. I know they've had success, and he's a great offensive mind, again, but I think he, his offense is, is kind of predictable, uh, McVay's. He needs to do some different things and get a little more multiple, uh, I think, with that offense. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm not ready to write the Patriots off. But, listen, if they lose today, this will be two out of the last three Super Bowls. They've made this their third straight Super Bowl. They will have lost two, and they probably should have lost against the Falcons when Atlanta had the huge lead and then somehow Kyle Shanahan forgot that, hey, we have a big lead, maybe we should run the ball, kept passing the ball, big interception to kind of turn that game around uh, after the Falcons got to the 20. Instead of kicking a field goal to pile on the the points and and take even a bigger lead, he threw the ball interception and the Patriots came back to win that game. So, you know, had they lost this, we could be looking at three straight losses for the Patriots in the Super Bowl here, which is what we saw with the Bills in the 90s. Uh, So, you know, that said, uh, the Patriots have some work to do. I mean, they've had success in the conference, uh, but they probably need a win to kind of even cement that legacy a little bit further. Otherwise, this is their second straight loss in a Super Bowl, and it should have been three. Well, let's face it. At the beginning of Tom Brady's career, a lot of people uh, really weren't 
uh, given that much acclimates, uh, Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft saw something in Tom Brady. I mean, I, I know he was he was drafted what sixth overall, uh, and let's, let's face it, if it hadn't been for Drew Bledsoe going down uh, and Tom Brady coming in and being that backup quarterback, much like what we saw happen with Nick Foles. Uh, and Carson Wentz, uh, we may never. We, well, we, I think eventually we would have seen Tom Brady, uh, but certainly when they when that happened, they never looked back, and they've they've had Tom Brady at at the helm uh, ever ever since. So let's move on over to the other side of the ball, the AFC champions, the New England Patriots. Uh, those that love them, love them, and those that hate them, hate them. Uh, so hate such a strong word, so I reserve it for such a special team of the New England Patriots. <laughs> but no, I. I, I wish them success, obviously, uh, and good sportsmanship and good fun. I like to, to not like the Patriots tonight, so uh, I'll keep my um, my pick in suspense till the end of the of, of there. But you know, just just saying, uh, wink, wink, and a nod to the Rams. Give them any karma that I possibly can. But the AFC, uh, uh, let's talk about the AFC champion, New England Patriots offensive line, obviously led by, led by Gronk. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I mean, there's so many weapons on the offensive line. I don't know where to start, so we'll let you go ahead and walk us through the game tape of the of the uh, New England Patriots offense. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same cast of characters uh, at that skill position spot. I mean, you know, the offensive line's different. Uh, Gronkowski is also a different player. He's not that receiving threat that he's been in his, in the past. And everybody talks about Brady coming back for another year, but this could be the end for Rob, Rob Gronkowski. He's talked about retirement. You know, he has struggled with injuries, but boy, he, he has been a very, very good blocker up front and has helped stabilize that offensive line. And, you know, credit to Bill Belichick uh, for, uh, and their offensive coordinator whose name escapes him, but he's a guy that stiffed the Colts on that head coaching job last year. Um, oh, Josh McDaniels, that name can never be spoken yeah, of. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, what a blessing that was for the Colts, right? I mean, oh, I don't yeah, think heck McDaniels yeah. Have, he wouldn't have done what, I don't, what Frank Reich did this year with that team. So. Oh, man. Uh, but anyway, was, uh, yeah, but yeah. No, I was just going to say, Frank Reich has won over this city, that's for sure. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I, you know, so I think you have to give Belichick and, you know, uh, McDaniel credit for, you know, kind of uh, the transition Gronkowski has made from – uh, you know, he's still a threat in the passing game, don't get me wrong, but he's not as key uh, of a part of that passing game as he's been in the past. But, you know, you look at him blocking in that run game, and he's just been terrific, uh, helping open up holes and is capable of blocking defensive ends one-on-one and linebackers. So, you know, he's really kind of a key part of this offense, if you ask me. Um, you know, not in, so much in the passing game, but in the run game. Uh, because, you know, that cast of characters, like I said, it's sort of the same. James White been here. Tom Brady's been here. Uh, Julian Edelman's been here. Chris Hogan's been here. So, uh, you know, and Sonny Michelle obviously is the newcomer in that mix, and he's been, you know, late in the season, he's been very, very good. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him play kind of a big role uh, on the ground. Uh, but, again, you have so many pieces that have been here on offense for this team that, uh, you know, that experience factor is a huge edge for the Patriots over the Rams. Mo, let's get your thoughts on the on the uh, offensive line for the New England Patriots. We talked about what a powerful weapon Gronk is, and he might be on his way out. And maybe you guys can fact check me on this, but I am almost 100% positive on this. He has never spent any of his games checked ever since he's been in the NFL. Am I correct on that? 
Can you, does anybody know yeah. if that's true or not? I, I, yeah, that's true. He, he lives off of his endorsement money. He is, supposedly has never spent any of the $54 million that he's made in the NFL. And, you know, you talked about it in the, the dynasty, you know, you waiting for it to end, Tom. And, I, I you know, I, I think there's no chance that Brady retires, but I think there's a good, a, a very good chance, maybe 75% chance that when we talk on the Super Bowl show next year, that Rob Gronkowski is part of the WWE. He uh, has appeared in WrestleMania. He's appeared at a couple of events. One of his best friends uh, works there, uh, a former NFL player who's now a wrestler. Uh, I think there's a good chance that uh, that Rob Gronkowski is the guy who uh, who is not part of this dynasty uh, and is not part of this team next year. I think there's a good chance a year from now we talk about him uh, being part of the WWE. Well, he certainly built up a nice safety uh, nest for him there as well. So what, do you, what, are, what are the X's and the O's that, 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 that Tom Brady just has to go out there and beat Tom Brady? I mean, until somebody uh, comes up with a formula to cons- consistently beat Tom Brady in the New England Patriots, he's just got to go out there and do what Tom Brady does. But uh, what, what are some of those things that have to happen for the New England Patriots offensively uh, to win Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta tonight? Uh, you know, I, I think Ed said it perfectly. I think this offensive line is going to be huge today in what they do, not only for the running game, but uh, stopping that pressure up the middle like we talked about. And that's when Tom seems to be his most uncomfortable. He gets the ball out so fast. And uh, if, if you can make him uncomfortable where he can't step up, that's where he tends to make a few mistakes. Uh, and, you know, I, they've got guys who like to, to speed rush the quarterback, Dexter Fowler Jr., uh, on the end, has got to stay on sides. We saw uh, we saw a lot of offsides from ends this year trying to jump the snap count, and we saw it cost the Kansas City Chiefs with D Ford. So I think uh, you know trying to stay on sides, not having costly penalties that keep the Patriots on the field. Uh, but for the Patriots, man, it's just continuing to move the football. You know they've got to continue with the running game, which is what's what's got them here. You know the the formula tends to. Uh, stay the same every year and the Patriots just challenge you to step up and come stop them and uh, until you do uh, you know that's the thing Ed said the experience and I agree I, I think with you know it, it, it's a big uh, big thing when you've got to be the team as you lead up to this day and the butterflies going on and then you have the extended halftime which tends to throw a lot of uh, teams off Patriots have been here and done that and I think you take the same approach you know they, they know how the, to handle this day leading up to the game they know how to handle that long halftime and I think you stay the course. Ed, uh, let's talk a little bit about the defensive line of the New England Patriots. Obviously, uh, new to the job and new to the role of defensive coordinator Brian Flores. Uh, but there again, uh, has proven to do the right things that they need to do to get to the Super Bowl. Talk with us about the defensive line of the New England Patriots. Yeah, you know, the defensive line is, uh, you know, again, maybe not, you don't get, when you talk to Patriots about the Patriots, you always talk about Belichick and Brady and, some of these other position groups kind of get uh, overlooked a little bit, but uh, you know, they do have a pretty solid defensive line, obviously, you know, I, I like Trey flowers uh, on one side, but uh, you know, Malcolm Brown is one of the tackles. I think is a very good tackle. So, you know, they're going to have to, uh, like I said, go against an offensive line of the Rams. I give an advantage to the Rams and that, that department is that offensive line. So they're going to have to find a way to kind of uh, hold their blocks or put a pass rush on while, while they give their, you know, some of their linebackers like Dante Hightower, who might be the, you know, one of the top three players on that defense, and Kyle Van Noy, uh, you know, those linebackers give those guys time to make plays, get to the ball, while that defensive line kind of uh, prevents the offensive line of the Rams from getting to that second level to block the linebackers in the run game. So they're going to have to do a job. Maybe it's not so much get pressure on Goff, but they're going to have to uh, stay on their on, on the offensive lineman to hold them up 
to keep them from getting to the second level to get guys like Van Noy and Hightower uh, to get to the football uh, to kind of shut that Rams run game down a little bit. Uh, but I, I also like the Rams uh, secondary, uh, you know, against Brady. You know, we were talking about that earlier. I mean, I think that Rams secondary is very good uh, and could, you know, be a thorn in Brady's side. And like Mo said, you know, you can you can uh, make Brady make some mistakes if you're able to get pressure in his face. So, uh, but that defensive line for the Patriots, getting back to that, they just – you know, they just need to do their job. They don't need to do anything spectacular. They need to uh, make it possible for Hightower and Van Noy to, to get to the to the uh, either the quarterback or whoever's running the ball for the Rams, Gurley or Anderson. Mo, do you have any thoughts on the defensive line for the New England Patriots? Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's pretty much exactly what Ed said. I mean, he is the master when it comes to football on this show. So I would sound like an idiot if I disagreed with any of it. So uh, I was the first to exact what, what he said. Yeah, what he said. I'll go with what he said. Well, you know, you're the master of the betting. There's going to be uh, over $6 billion estimated to be wagered on the Super Bowl in various different ways and various different formats. Obviously, we talked about the spread being uh, uh, two and a half for the Patriots or, or a total points of 56 points. Uh, when we look at the Vegas field and, and help us uh, uh, tap into Vegas for today. Cause a lot of us, like we mentioned earlier, uh, this will be the only thing we bet on all year long and we do it just for fun. Uh, there's some serious betters, but also at the same time, uh, the house makes a crap ton of money on the Super Bowl. So what are your thoughts Vegas and uh, betting on the Super Bowl uh, this year? Well, this is like uh, I mentioned to you before. This is like uh, St. Patrick's Day for rookie drinkers. You get a lot of rookie bettors. This is the second most bet on sporting event uh, in uh, in the country, uh, right behind March Madness. And just because March Madness lasts longer, there tends to be more money on it. But the single one-day biggest event uh, is today. Uh, you know, you've got the the Patriots who want you to believe that they're underdogs, which they are not. They are actually the favorites by two and a half points today. Uh, you know, and a lot of people believe it's a three-point game. Uh, so, you know, you've got to, the key is to watch the line adjust today because you will see a lot of people who will bet with their hearts, who don't bet normally, who will bet money on the Rams because they hate uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. And you will see uh, where this line might fluctuate some today, maybe a half point, maybe a whole point. Uh, so if you're a team that, that, that wants to bet on the page, if your guy wants to bet on the Patriots, wait it out, wait it out till game time. But the key to winning to me a lot of times in the NFL over the past couple of years, and especially now, uh, in the Super Bowl is betting by halves. Uh, that has become the trend for guys and for pros who make money is to bet the game by the half. Uh, there will be a line that comes out at halftime uh, that will adjust. So a lot of people who were on Kansas City last week who bet on them for the game and lost, uh, they lost. But for guys who, uh, who are looking at what they're doing, they were able to rebound in the second half and win money because the, the Chiefs came out and poured on the points. So if you want to make money on football and you want to make money on Super Bowl, be prepared. Uh, to bet it by the half. Don't try to catch up if you're losing. That's the worst thing you can do. If you're down big in the first half, don't put a, an enormous amount of money on the second half because that hardly ever works out when you're trying to play catch up on a weekend. Uh, and if you want to play some prop bets, play them, have fun with them, but don't uh, play an exorbitant amount of money on prop bets because uh, they tend not to work out, especially the ones where you're betting on entertainment and not on the game. Again, the one that's been the most profitable for me in the past is betting on the first player to score uh, in a game. So have fun with it. Don't overdo it. But if you want to win money on the actual game, try to bet by half. And uh, who are you betting on? Who, who, who's your money on today? 
none of none of my money will be in that six billion dollar pool. Uh, I'm more likely to be in the chicken wing eating crowd. Probably the six billion uh, chicken wings that are going to be consumed. I'll, I'll, you know, I might be able to make a little dent in that number. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, I, my feeling on betting, I've kind of gotten away from, I used to do it a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I, I work too hard for my money. I try to keep it in my pocket. And I, you know, certainly there's no shortage of where to spend it for me. So, uh, you know, I won't bet. Um, I love the way Mo breaks it down though. He, and he gets me excited about it. It's almost like, yeah, maybe I should think about doing it, but uh, I, won't, I won't put, I, I won't put any money uh, on this game at all, but I'll eat some, I'll probably eat some chicken wings. So, yeah, what he said. There you go. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit. Let's let's talk just a little bit more about the betting, and we'll talk about the different types of betting. One of one of the most popular types of betting is uh, a prop bet. So, for example, one of the most popular prop bets that I saw uh, last night or yesterday is how long will it take. Uh, um, Gladys Knight to sing the national anthem uh, over or under 107 seconds. Uh, those are prop bets. What are, what are some of the, the examples of good prop bets that you've seen on the Super Bowl? Well, she's old, so I'm taking the over. Um, <laughs> you know, I like the, the number of times that uh, you get a lot of prop bets this year for the first time ever uh, sent around the announcers on uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I know we have a lot of times where they'll mention certain things, but there's a lot of just interaction between Jim Nance and Tony Romo that you can bet on. Um, how many times that, uh, that they'll mention Sean McVay's age, uh, how many times that uh, they'll talk about uh, the Patriots being a dynasty, uh, how many times they'll talk, mention Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, and then mention the word arguably. Uh, so there's a lot of fun prop bets like that. Uh, halftime, the easiest one it seems to be to me for halftime uh, is uh, whether Adam Levine comes out wearing a hat or not. And the dude loves himself and loves his hair, so I find it hard to believe that Adam Levine will come out wearing a hat. Uh, so I like that one uh, as well. Uh, you know, and there's, then there's ones with Donald Trump's Twitter account, which are just absolutely asinine and ridiculous and seem like terrible money losers. Uh, so <laughs> it's... Uh, it, you know, it's, uh, it, can, it can be fun, but, you know, you can find out if you do too many, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. If you're going to bet on prop bets, find the ones that have the pluses in front of them, not the minuses, because the minuses mean for a lot of times, like let's say it's, uh, you know, uh, minus 150, you've got to bet $15 to win 10. And that's, that's never a winning proposition when you have to bet more money to win less money. So if you're going to bet prop bets, try to find the ones that have the pluses in front of them, not the minuses. Uh, real quickly, Mo, another real popular Super Bowl wager is the parlay, and that's picking the spread and the t- and total for a payout of nearly three three to one. Both picks must be correct for the parlay to cash. So it's important to make informed decisions. If you're going to do the parlay, wouldn't you say you want to have a little bit more experience in betting and not to be the, the novice better if you're going to go the parlay? Well, if you're going to do a parlay, pick the game and pick the over-under. That's easier than picking the score. So I, when I'm, my parlay today is, the, uh, is the, the winner of the game, and then I'm picking the over-under. The over-under seems a little low. Uh, I think a lot of people think that it's going to be a high-scoring affair like it was last year. So instead of trying to pick the score, do your parlay with uh, picking the winner and picking the over-under. Guys, one of the things that we always talk about this year uh, is – another Super Bowl that's going on, and that's the Puppy Bowl. The Puppy Bowl has become a tradition. I will watch it. And, uh, and it's, you know, you got we got to make some, some bets on the Puppy Bowl or something here. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts about the Puppy Bowl? 
Um, well, are there any shih that are competing? Because I, I have a shih tzu and the old 10-pound ball of fur. And uh, if there's any shih tzus, I'll put my money on the, on the shih tzu. But I, I, I don't know. I, when is the puppy bowl? Is that at halftime or is that when they show? No, it's this afternoon. I think it's around 2 o'clock. It is a standby, oh. I will tell you. It is standby. I, I think it's on um, – Hold on here. I just had it here, too. It's at 3 o'clock, and it's on the Animal Planet channel, Super Bowl Sunday. Oh. So, okay. so basically, yeah. there's this pen, and it looks like a football field, and they just put in a bunch of puppies and a football there, and the, the football has a treat in it, and so the puppies are fighting over this ball, and they get it across the goal <laughs> line. And I see. It's a... Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a tradition. Um, you'd be surprised okay. at the viewership rating of, of, of the puppy bowl. I'm just saying, look it up, guys. Another tradition is food. Everybody loves food and beer on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Eddie, you mentioned some chicken wings. Are you gonna smoke up some wings today? What do you got going on the grill today? What's going on? <laughs> well, it's about three degrees here, so I, I think the grill's out. But yeah, probably some wings, maybe some chili. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's still to be determined. I know it's a little getting getting late here, but uh, yeah, don't be don't be <laughs> You can count on that. Uh, probably wings. Uh, you know, I'm a big TPD. wing guy. I tell you yeah. what, Indiana has went through all four seasons this year. Uh, this week uh, we had uh, like 30 below zero, 40 below zero <laughs> midweek last week. Uh, Friday yeah. we had like five inches of snow, and it's supposed to be 15 and 60 tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. Wow. So it's supposed to be 50, 52 or 53 and sunny today, and the sun is out right now. All the snow is melted. There is no more snow. Uh, and um, tomorrow is supposed to be raining in 60. Mo, uh, what's on your menu for today, sir? Oh, first, I'll be watching the Puppy Bowl, too, but it's a different one that's on Pornhub. It's with Papa Stills playing football. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, what time does that one start? What, what time does that, that one? <laughs> that, that is at, uh, at, at 1 o'clock, too. Um, the, uh, I, will, I will give a shameless plug to one of our sponsors. I will be busting out the Traeger Grill today and uh, doing right. some fun stuff on that. Yeah, I finally got mine. Uh, it will be my first experience with the wood pellets, and uh, uh, I'm not uh, a grill master, but uh, this grill, Tom, you can, uh, uh, if I throw in a shameless plug, you can, uh, you can monitor it and watch it from your phone. So anything that can involve me being lazy and cooking, right in my wheelhouse. So uh, I'll be doing that. I'm getting ready to uh, head to the store after, uh, after we're done, and you know, I'm not sure what's going to be on the menu. Like Ed said, it is getting late, but uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully some Traeger magic today. And as always, I will have a backup plan in case I screw it all up. Well, another important bowl game that's going to be on also, that's the lingerie bowl. I think it's out in Las Vegas, so you, you can't miss that one either. Uh, don't, don't let your kids watch that. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I, I mean, I, have, you ever seen, have you guys ever seen the lingerie bowl? Come on! Now. I covered the I covered the Chicago team for a while, uh, and I'll tell you what, man. You know we laugh, at, but those those girls play hard, dude. I mean, I've never seen more blood in a football game than I saw watching the lingerie football league. Those girls beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> they do. Ed, have you ever seen it? Uh, no, but I, I don't think the blood would be the first thing I noticed, uh, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was that time of the month, you know. 
Oh, oh, cannot unsee that, Mo. Oh, my gosh. No, we're pads in a helmet and not much more than that. They look like hockey helmets with face masks. It's, it's a fun time, though. You can see clips on YouTube. They uh, have an entire league, and there are some girls, man, that are, are fantastic athletes uh, on the field and, and off. Yeah, I'd imagine they would be. They, they, yeah, I'd imagine the the, the the real lookers are the skill position ones, right? Because uh, I, yeah. I wonder about the line <laughs> the line women. You know what do those line women yeah. look like? Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I've heard the sinner is a pretty popular player on on that game. I'm just saying. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right. All right. We we have totally totally gotten off uh, track. Hey, did you guys watch any of the coverage or listen to any of the coverage of Radio Row this week? Now I'm a big fan of Clay Travis. I think everybody knows that. But I always listen to his podcast in the evening. I don't listen to his live show, even though it's live here in India. I, I don't listen to it on my way to work because I like to listen to his podcast because I don't want to listen to all the commercials. That's neither here nor there. Um, but did you guys catch Clay's show on Thursday or Friday? Neither one of you guys clicked that from Radio Row? Uh, no, I did, I did not. not. No. The classic prank of all pranks. So everybody knows that Clay kind of likes to, especially around Super Bowl and Radio Row, likes to pull pranks on people and people on his show. He, he'll, he'll do pranks with. Well, they got him back in a major way this uh, I'll have to send you guys the clip on it. But So uh, Clay says he, he gets a uh, – a text and an email from the president of Fox Sports that says, hey, uh, would you like to do a, a human interest story on Radio Row? We've got this guy who's been an equipment manager for the L.A. Rams for over 35 years. Uh, and, uh, and Clay is like, sure, yeah, yeah. So hey, we went through this whole interview, and he was like asking him, hey, have you ever forgot the equipment? You know, really getting into an, an interview with the equipment manager uh, and – then all of a sudden, the the equipment manager he starts going, "Oh my arm, my chest, oh it's just it's hard for me to breathe. I'm sweating," and and it just went total silence. Like Clay did not know what to do, and uh, uh, they, and he has a TV show called Lock It In, and so then he's like, "Ah, oh, you got your friends from Lock It In want to say hello." He was a paid actor, and they had been putting this together for over a year. <laughs> And Clay, Clay just totally lost composure. He was just like, I honestly thought somebody was going to die live on the air on, on, on Radio Row. <laughs> so that was classic. That's great. Yeah. That was a classic, classic prank. Let's talk about the commercials, guys. Uh, we still got a few minutes uh, left here. Uh, certainly some of the best uh, uh, commercials Budweiser always has. Uh, some there's around $42 million for a 30-second ad. Um, so, uh, commercials, any, uh, any thoughts on commercials there, Mo? Uh, you know, the last few years, Doritos has really stepped up their game. Uh, so they're, they're ones that I look forward to now. I mean, obviously the, the Pepsis and the, the Budweiser's, but, uh, I think that, uh, you know, Doritos has become one that I look forward to every year now. Doritos is always pretty good. I like the Budweiser ones. Um, there's always the ones that uh, are hilarious, and then there's the ones that uh, kind of pull out your heartstrings, and those those ones too. Uh, the uh, the Budweiser dog is now a full-grown Dalmatian. I saw in one of the peaks uh, this this week. So, uh, Ed, any thoughts on the Super Bowl commercials? 
Yeah, well, I love Doritos. Uh, I'll say that. I'll probably crunch a few this afternoon. But that's one of the prop bets I, I saw uh, earlier in the week was the, the first Doritos commercial color of the bag, I think it was, so whether it was going to be red, blue, yellow, purple. Uh, so you can, you can actually bet on that as a prop bet, with what color of the bag will be shown in the first Doritos commercial. So, uh, you know, who the heck knows on that? That, that that's, what, I guess, what Mo would call a loser bet. I mean, how are you going to win that one? But, uh, yeah, I, I like commercials. I, I, like the, uh, uh, I like the commercials where you don't know what they're, what they're advertising until the very end. So you're, <laughs> you're, you're watching this story, and you're trying to figure out what the heck are they trying to get here? What are they selling? Uh, until the very end. So I, I like those kinds of commercials where you're not sure what, what the product is, and then you realize, oh, it's for an iPhone or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the commercials. I didn't get a chance to see them last year because I was in Minnesota, so I kind of got cheated. So I, I am actually looking forward to that, <coughs> to the commercials. Mo, any thoughts on the commercial? Uh, you know, I, I – I'm uh, I'm big in the commercial. Uh, normally, I hate commercials. I don't watch anything with commercials. I DVR everything. But uh, you know, I'll be checking them out again. You know, I think that the Doritos ones are one of my favorites now. Uh, uh, I look forward to uh, Budweiser. They always seem to come correct. There's always going to be that one though who wants who's going to run one commercial. They pay for one. That's going to be that outside company that you're going to go. Yeah, damn, that was a good one. But you only get to see it that one time because they they only afford the they can only afford the one. Uh, there's usually a good car one in there. Then, like I said, there's usually one that makes no sense, and you're like, oh, they were just trying to sell me a Kia? I had no idea. Uh, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun. This is the, the one day a year that I actually watch commercials. Other than that, uh, at DVR everything. Guys, let's uh, kind of just uh, take a get off in the weeds a little bit. But I just think that because it is the Super Bowl uh, and it is uh, something that it gets national attention, and it's been getting a lot of national attention here recently, and that's the visit to the White House by the Super Bowl winner. <laughs> Uh, we know for a fact, and I don't really care one way or the other. I think people that know me personally know where I stand uh, politically, and that's fine. That's all it needs to know it. But we know that uh, Tom Brady and Kraft are big Trump supporters, and they have said that they would go to uh, the White House if they win the, the, the Super Bowl uh, and leave an option to the players to go if they want to go, if they don't want to go, whatever. Uh, and then the Rams have not committed one way or the other. The way I look at it like this, and, and of course all the grief that Trump got for serving uh, fast food to the Clemson Tigers. I mean, come on, they're college kids. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if I go to the White House, maybe I do want a steak and a lobster. But I, I, I you know, here's the thing: uh, we were they were dealing with the government shutdown. That's neither here nor there. That's neither story. My my thing is respect for the White House. I mean, not everybody gets the invite to the White House. So if you're going to get one, go. You don't have to like the person that resides there. But if you if you get an invite to go, you should go. And I think. That, that, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier when sports and, and politics collide. We'll start with you, Mo. What are your thoughts about visiting the White House if you win the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I think everybody should have respect for the office, but as uh, uh, an American who's free, I think you have that choice not to. Uh, to me, I, I don't carry the way. I'm so tired of politics altogether, but so I try to keep everything about politics out of my sports because I don't want it to ruin it for me. Uh, but I agree there should be respect for office, but at the end of the day, I, I just don't care anymore. I used to care more about it, but uh, it's become so contentious anymore that I, I, I honestly, it, it's gotten to the point where I just don't care. And let's still talk. You, you know, you had a, a personal thing uh, with this. Uh, uh, basically, the opposite happened. The White House withdrew its offer for the Eagles to come to the uh, White House because so many players flat out said they weren't going to go. 
what are your thoughts on visiting the White House if you win the Super Bowl? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Last year, I, I was on. I was supposed to go down and cover uh, the Eagles visit to the White House, and the plug got pulled. I think you know, with like twelve hours before it was supposed to happen. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I was disappointed. I was looking forward to going and seeing the White House and seeing how that whole thing came about. So, you know, that that was. It, that was exciting for me to, to, and I was a little disappointed when it happened, of course. But uh, you know, I, I don't know why I cared so much. Maybe I did want to see the White House and uh, see kind of the inner workings as much as we're allowed to see anyway, having never done that or experienced that. But you know, I'm kind of like Mo. I mean, I, I really never cared about it. I didn't care about it in the '80s and '90s or whenever this whole tradition began. I don't know which president was the first uh, president to invite a team. I mean, that would be kind of a good trivia question: is who was the president that? Uh, began this tradition and who was the first team that got invited because I you know frankly through the years no matter who the president is I I really could care less Uh, you know it's just kind of a photo op it's it's great for the team that goes but then having had the opportunity last year to to go and do it until the the rug got pulled out at the last minute I was excited about it Uh, you know just to see what it was all about but uh, uh, you know I, I guess you know the Patriots will go like you said because they're big Trump supporters Kraft and Brady uh, I don't know where the Rams stand on the whole thing. I have no no idea, nor do I really care uh, whether they go or not, because I, I you know I won't watch television to see them get honored by the president or or whatever they do there. So it doesn't matter a whole lot to me. But um, you know, let, let me just say this, guys. I got a little breaking news uh, while we were talking here earlier. A, a note was handed to me that. Uh, chili is going to be one of the items on the menu. <laughs> Sunday All right. So, we're, uh, we're headed yeah, over my to daughter the, the crab house. <laughs> daughter handed me a note, said we're having chili. So I'm like, okay. I'm All right. Overhearing my conversation here. So there you That's go. Great. That's great. That's great. Breaking news. You know what? I have a breaking news sound or two. Hold on here. I think I do. Hold on. <laughs> I had it. I used to use it all the time. Uh, there it is. Yeah. All right, hold on. Ed's got breaking news. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it's having chili uh, for lunch. It's Crash House. Yep, Crash House. We right. have chili. All right, guys, let's start wrapping things up with our picks for the MVP. Let's start uh, maybe not necessarily with the Super Bowl MVP, but but certainly you got to look at probably one of the top MVP players of a team, and that's Aaron Donald with the Rams. Uh, I mean, you got to look at this guy as, as, a, as a super stud, if you will. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on Aaron Donald uh, winning his second straight Defensive Player of the Year award? And certainly he's a beast, and he's been through contract holdouts, and, but he's, he seemed to have found a, a solid home there. Uh, Mo, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts? Aaron Donald, uh, certainly uh, the best defensive player around. Uh, before I get to Aaron Donald, I have the answer to the question. Um, according to Thomas Newman of ESPN, uh, sports teams visiting the White House began way back with Andrew Johnson in August 30th, 1865. The first president wow. to invite the first professional sports team there was Ulysses. Oh, wait a minute, Mo. Hold on. Hold, Mo, hold on a second. All right, Mo's got breaking news to answer to our trivia question regarding the White House and the presidency. Go ahead, Mo. <laughs> Andrew Johnson was the first, August 30th, 1865, when he invited the Brooklyn Athletics and the Washington Nationals. They were amateur baseball clubs at the time. The first president to host a professional baseball, a professional sports team was Ulysses S. Grant. 
when he invited uh, the first uh, the championship Cincinnati Red Stockings in 1869. Wow. Well, there you go. That, that's amazing. It's been going on for Yeah, it's just amazing that, that teams, because of their distaste for uh, the president, they, they want to make it a, a, a big issue. And, and you saw the, the – the huge uproar uh, that uh, people had with Trump and the uh, picture that he had with Jack Nicholson and, and Tiger Woods. It, it, it gets to be to the point of ridiculousness, which we don't have time for on this show. But, Mo, uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, on, on – um... Aaron Donald, to me, is a guy uh, – had Patrick Mahomes not thrown 50 touchdowns this year. He's a guy, to me, uh, who could have been the NFL MVP. Uh, this guy is a guy who's a game changer, and honestly – uh, if you take quarterback out of it, he's probably the guy I would pick to start my NFL team if, if it, quarterback uh, couldn't be the first choice. Uh, this guy is a disruptor, and there aren't a lot of disruptors who play the middle of the line anymore. So uh, I think Aaron Donald is a phenomenal player. And, and you know, the Rams showed uh, what you do with a, a great defensive player when you have one. You do what you have to do to resign him, unlike the Oakland Raiders who let Khalil Mack go to the Bears. Uh, so, I mean, like, like I said, to me, other than drafting the quarterback, Aaron Donald would be the guy I'd start my football team with. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts on Aaron Donald? Obviously, also Patrick Mahone's got the MVP. Uh, uh, Shaquan Barkley got the Rookie of the Year award. Uh, what are your thoughts on those awards that were given out? Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley uh, was uh, definitely deserving of the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I think had Baker Mayfield played the entire season uh, and you, you factored in some of the uh, emotion into it, it could have been him. But Saquon Barkley was a guy who came in and did exactly what was asked of him, played every down, uh, had a phenomenal season. Uh, you know, I know people in Cleveland were disappointed yesterday that Baker didn't win it, but he didn't play the whole season. Uh, you know, it's something else for him to be mad at Hugh Jackson about. Uh, but, uh, you know, we definitely have been inundated in this past year with a bunch of very talented rookies. Ed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I think Saquon Barkley was a deserved winner. I went to bat for him all year when we had this conversation. That Darren Donald, two years in a row, amazing. He's from the great state of Pennsylvania. He's from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, Aaron Donald, undersized what he's able to do uh, with, with his speed and his power is, is amazing. Uh, and I like the fact that Chris Long from the Eagles got the uh, Walter Payton NFL yep. Man of the Year award. Chris Long does a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. uh, off the field, and it was nice to see him get recognized for that. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have any questions. It was nice to see Luck get the Comeback Player of the Year. I thought that was well-deserved, yep. Andrew Luck mm-hmm. getting that award. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't have any problem at all with any of the awards that were given out. Uh, the one that I was kind of surprised about was that they actually give a uh, – what is it, a choreography award for the best touchdown celebration of the year? Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. That's obviously a new award. You know, I didn't know they had that award, uh, but there was one given out. So, uh, you know, that was that's new to the NFL to allow celebrations within the last couple of years. It used to be uh, a penalty when you would celebrate. So now they're actually giving out an award for it. So that was kind of a surprise category that, that I didn't know existed. <clears throat> All right, good. Guys, it's come to that point of the show. We've got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. So, here we go. Stand by, stand by, stand by. <laughs> Breaking news. We are going to get, uh, each of us are going to get to name our MVP, Super Bowl MVP pick, and who wins Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. We'll start with you, Ed. Who is your MVP pick, and who is the winner of Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta? 
Well, I, th- I hope it's a close game. I think it will be a close game. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to uh, go with experience in this game. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots to find a way to win. Uh, you know, none of their Super Bowl wins have been blowouts. They've all been close. So I expect that Tom Brady will have the ball in his hands with a chance to win the game. And unlike last year when he fumbled on a strip sack by Brandon Graham, I think he'll find a way to win this game. I'm going with the New England Patriots to win the game by I think like a 28 to or a 31 to 28. Uh, score and Tom Brady will be the MVP. No, what are your picks? I am going to take the Rams of Los Angeles, nay St. Louis, and I think if the media could do it, they would vote Sean McVay the MVP. However, they will not be able to. I'm going <laughs> to give it to C.J. Anderson, who will have wow. two touchdowns in this game. And uh, the Los Angeles Rams will be your Super Bowl champions, 34 to 31. Well, here's my thoughts, and I, I think that you guys are going to know where I'm going to go with this because I, I just can't stomach myself picking the Patriots. So, uh, you know, so I'm just going to not go with the Patriots. I'm going to go with the Rams. Go Rams. Rams going to pick. And I also just really, really like Jared Goff. I think this is a good opportunity for the torch to be passed. I think if the Rams win it, uh, Jared Goff gets it. If, uh, if, if not – I think then there, you could still look at a Ram getting in that. That would be Todd Gurley, uh, but we'll see. Uh, but certainly Jared Goff would be the MVP pick for me, and the Rams win Super Bowl 53. Uh, now we have it. So we have – is it all of us going for the Rams? No, you're going for the no, Patriots, aren't you? Yeah. Hey, and, um, yes. Can I, can I butt in with one question? I'm sorry to steal your thunder. No, go right ahead. Thunder away. <laughs> and if, if, if the Rams win and, and Jared Goff wins the, and they win the game and if he's by chance the uh, MVP, how much does that stick in the craw of Carson Wentz, who when he made it to the Super Bowl didn't play, couldn't play? Nick Foles gets the adulation of the MVP. Uh, you know, the guy who was picked right in front of him, does this, uh, does this stick with Carson Wentz? Not for Ed question. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, <laughs> Carson Wentz has a lot in his craw already with the a high bar that Nick Foles has set. Um, you know, and, and there's been some talk and some teammates have said some things about Wentz not being, uh, you know, kind of being a little selfish and egotistical. I, I don't know if those reports are true or not, but, uh, you know, Wentz already has to overcome the Nick Foles factor here in Philadelphia uh, to now throw Jared Goff into the mix as on a more of a national uh, thing that he would have to overcome. Yeah, I think it would. I think that would bother him a little bit. I know him and Jared Goff, though, are, are pretty good friends. They got to know each other while they worked out together uh, leading up to the combine, the NFL combine. They were obviously in the same draft class going one and two. So they got to know each other a little bit. They're, they're, they're friendly. Um, and and uh, to me, Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz I know would probably be rooting for a Jared Goff because he does know him just as he rooted for Nick Foles to do well. But yeah, you know, there's some, there's some things that Carson Wentz would probably be bothered by, and that would be one of them. And I think Foles, too, here in, the, in his own city, uh, you know, Carson Wentz is going to have to emerge from the shadow of Nick Foles here in Philadelphia, and then you put Jared Goff into that mix. Yeah, I think that would certainly be something that Wentz would have to somehow not let bother him. But I think it would, yeah. Well, we got to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Uh, uh, Mo, I know you, you got work on the Traeger grills today. Man, I'm jealous. You need to get me one of those, brother. You need to get me one of those. I'm just saying, we'll have to work out a deal. I've been wanting one of those for a while. I'll make a, just I'll make a phone call. <laughs> All right. I, I don't want to pay the money for, you. for you know, it. Yeah. Well, mine, mine, mine was free, so I will, I will make a phone call. 
Well, all right, we'll see what we, we can do. Where can people find your work in your masterpieces mode? Uh, well, you know, Tom, as I always say, this is my favorite show to come on, even though I do a sports show. Mine sucks, so this is fun. Uh, but you can find it on the radio show. <laughs> oh, we, we try. All right, all right, Mo, you have yourself a good day. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you, Mo. <laughs> the call, colorful uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, and I have heard his show numerous times, so I'm, I'm glad he, he, he makes that comparison. Uh, Ed uh, is going to have some <clears throat> chili, to, chili today. Uh, what what are your uh, is it hot spicy? Uh, it, it, well, it'll probably be spicy. Yeah, spicy would be. Oh, probably I work. like a little spicy. Uh, All right. Where yeah, can people find your work in your masterpieces, sir. Yep, hit me up uh, on my Twitter at Kratzy K R A C Z E or uh, at uh, footballmaven.io slash Eagles. That's where you can find it. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Have a good Super Bowl. Hey, you you enjoy Super Bowl time. See you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, Mo for the BS Sports Show, Rick Riggin. This has been Super Bowl 53 special. So glad that you could be with us. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. See you on Saturday. We are out of here. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe if I can push the right button, we are, we are out of here. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.